Hello and good evening, everyone. Welcome to this week's Primetime Gaming. I'm your host, Mr. Boomstick XL, and as you can see, we have an incredible Monday night plan for you. Two plus hours of the best place to get your gaming news, reviews, and hot button opinions. And we got some of those on tap for tonight. And I'm going to get right into the introductions. Now, we have someone uh, that is making his first time appearance on the program. You know him as Dr. Mo. I know him <laughs> as not only a guy willing to tell you like it is, but he is one half of the outstanding Backlog Chronicles with his partner in crime, Machine Gun Mike. Please welcome Dr. Mo. Thank you. Thank you, Boom. I appreciate you, man. Uh, I hope everybody's good. Pleasure to be here. I appreciate you inviting me to come on. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I appreciate you. Thank you. Well, it is, gr it is great to have you uh, here. We've been working, trying to work on this behind the scenes. Yeah. I've worked with you in the past. Uh, we just did last year with uh, Boxer Bear. Yeah, Boxer Bear, yeah. We, we worked together on a few of his shows. You were also with our very good friend Ains from yes. the BitCast, uh, mm -hmm. which, of course, you've got to get him on here in the future. But it's great to have you on this particular program. And, of course, next up, making his return appearance. Not only is he the showrunner for the anime series known as The Everborn, he's an entrepreneur, he's a diehard gamer, and he's here to let you know what you don't know. Please welcome The Everborn Saga. Well, all right, all right, all right. Thank you for having me here. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody. It's my first time back on the show in 2021. Um, very excited. And, um, you know, thank you. Lots to say. These topics are going to be amazing. And before we get started, everybody, please, please, please hit the like button. Don't play yourself. I, I definitely appreciate that. Yes, the like button does help me uh, funnel this small show into the big channels of YouTube, and their waters are very difficult to navigate. But they do uh, help with the with the likes, with the subs, with the you know promoting the show if you are a fan of it. But let's continue with the introductions. Next up, our friend who might have a thing or three to say about uh, the achievement system in Cyberpunk 2077. Please welcome <laughs> all the way from Canada, middle-aged gamer guy, also known as Mag, the loudest dude from that re region of the world. Well, they'll tell you one thing. It's going to get a lot louder tonight. I'm not happy about a couple things, but anyways, guys, I am happy to be here. So good evening, boom. Good evening, chat, and good evening, panel, and to our guests, Everborn. Uh, it's nice to work with you again. And Mo Better Blues is in the house. I've renamed you. So uh, Cyber Forte, I'm glad to see you guys all here. And uh, you know what? We got some great topics tonight. Let's get right into this show. Well, thanks so much for being here, Mag. Definitely. Uh, next up, you know him as our resident Cape Crusader who has taken time from beating down on the Joker and Penguin to be here for your two hours worth of entertainment. Please welcome Cyber Knox. What's going on? Thank you so much for that, Boom. Glad to be here. It is Monday. It's prime time. Let's talk some gaming. I'm ready. Let's go. Well, it's great to have you a part of today's show. And last, and in no way least, our GameStop backdoor information broker, 
also known as one of the busiest podcasters in the business, community leader, great father, and friend to the uh, to this particular program. Please welcome Gaming Forte. Yo, what is up, man? It's Primetime Gaming. We in the house. A lot of stuff happened over the weekend. A lot of good, a lot of bad, but guess what? It's all amazing because it's all about games. And I do want to say one thing to everyone before we start. Did hey. you have a body swap with your average consumer, the tech YouTuber? Because right now you look just <laughs> like that dude. Oh man! <laughs> right now you look. Yeah, he really like, is though. Literally, really when is. we went when when the, when the cameras was on, I was like, "Dog, do we have your average consumer up in here?" And then I had to look at the name, and I was like, "Oh, okay, he just looked like him right now." <laughs> man, I gotta, I gotta look this guy up. Maybe I got oh, one. Of man, dog, okay. yeah. yeah, you're. Well, you might have a doppelganger situation happening yeah, in real right, life. Bro. I don't know. Maybe, well, maybe why? he's a, maybe he's a long lost, very wealthy brother. Listen, uh, I don't mind being an evil twin, and uh, if he's wealthy, I'm gonna have to look this guy up. By the way, can we shout out Forte's new new logo? Is that oh, it's, not new. it's not new? Okay, that's not right. new. That was the original logo. Shout out, yes. to, um, shout out to um, uh, uh, Graphic God. He that was the first one that I made when I first started doing uh, YouTube. I just you know been switching it up every once in a while. You know we can okay. we can go through a whole bunch of you know we could promote you know you know matter of fact why we here let, let's just go ahead to promote the DPS podcast you know because DPS that. podcast every Thursday on um this week could be it should be on my show be on slope on my channel so we'll we'll promote that one right now but uh man I can't wait to get to these topics with you boom man you had a you had a stellar lineup for stuff that we're gonna get through we'll probably only get through half of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think we, I think we can get to three, at least three of them. And that's fine because obviously, you know, the, the I always overproduce these shows just in case because you just never know. I mean, sometimes you plow through the topics and you're like, um, what do we talk about? Which, again, we're all professionals, so we would find something to discuss. But let's get into one of the hottest topics of tonight's show. And, you know, for topic number one, as people funnel in. You know, CD Projekt Red's reputation took uh, not a ding, but a major bang. Uh, of course, with the release of Cyberpunk 2077, and obviously, this is this is coming off of a, a, a one of the media and commercial darlings of the industry. Well, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you personally feel, co-founder Marcin Iwinski apologized for the state of Cyberpunk 2077 on consoles um, middle of last week and alongside a vague roadmap with updating the game through 2021 New controversy has now started once again. Now, this apology was supposed to be an olive branch to the gaming community, but instead brought a flurry of new distrust from the gamers who hailed CD Projekt Red as the highlight of the development community. Now, here are some of those quotes from the article, and I'm going to break down, uh, you know, we are going to break down exactly how we personally feel, whether or not we believe this, whether this was a corporate, you know, scam and I think just based on the uh, very, very big words that were being used behind the scenes before we went live, I think that this is going to be a topic that everyone is going to have some even bigger opinions about. Uh, and here is that, here is that quote uh, from Iwinski. 
The console version of Cyberpunk 2077 did not meet the quality standard we wanted it to meet. I and the entire leadership team are deeply sorry for this. And this video is me publicly owning up to that. Please don't fault any of our teams for what happened. Um, from his perspective now, he went on to say how the game came to launch with so many bugs on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One that at, at, at certain times it was unplayable. Now, here's the thing. The video is a little over five minutes long, at least the version that I mm -hmm. watched. Now, I watched it twice to make sure that I had all the correct information when writing this topic. And there are a lot of holes in the story uh, th th that is probably the easiest and most simple way I could make it, um, you know. And, and so let's let's go first to Doctor Mo because if you don't know how this particular dude feels about Cyberpunk, he went out and purchased I don't know how many copies. Mo, you'll tell us in a second, but it was a ludicrous <laughs> amount of copies because he wanted a steel book. For, he wanted to collect all the steel books. He has the collector's edition. I'm sure he might even have the console. The controller, he's a fan. Mo, yeah. after hearing a Winsky come out and basically throw himself onto uh, onto the, the the spike, so to speak, mm -hmm. it didn't seem like it was really genuine, to be honest. Again, I understand that you know a lot of this might have been um, you know uh, corporate speak, but it seemed like it was more corporate speak than hey, listen, we are, are really sorry for what happened. What, what what are your your very detailed thoughts on this? Yeah, um, yeah, there's a lot, you know. I mean, but we have a panel of six, so uh, I, I wish I could actually say everything. But I look as much as I love the game itself, you know. I mean, the game as an art, the game as a video game, as an RPG, whatever it is. I mean, you have to be practical as well with uh, with everything that happened. I don't want to retread everything that we already know because this game's been talked about endlessly since it came out. But in terms of his apology, I didn't think... I, I think they need to stop at some point just uh, apologizing or trying to damage control because you're at the point right now where people are so mad at you that whatever you say, nobody gives a shit. If you love the game, you love the game. And if you hate the game, you hate the game. Whether you played it or, which I believe, about maybe 75% of people who are complaining online have never touched the game or never intended to. So this is just them getting on the hate wagon. Now that's that. Now, as far as his apology goes, um, I did not believe him when he said that they did uh, that they did not pick up on these problems on the, on the old consoles. Uh, I don't believe that. I think that was disingenuous uh, to say that. And it's kind of a spit in the face to the people who do have the base consoles, uh, who for a large majority of them, just it was pretty shitty uh, on, on release. The thing is, is um, this kind of goes a lot of ways because there was expectations of what were you, uh, there was expectations of how it was going to perform on the console of your choice, you know, and versus what it actually was. So we were talking about this before the show. We were saying that, uh, you know, the, the game itself, because it was announced seven years ago, let's just say they've been working on it or they've been developing it for seven years. Okay. And then the consoles themselves, the last gen consoles came out seven years ago. So at the time it was announced, it was announced for these new consoles that we just got past. And at the same time, the game just got more ambitious as the years went on. Ambition goes up. The technology you're using starts to improve, making your game look as good as it does on a 
on the fully loaded uh, rig. You know, I mean, I'm sure we've all seen it run on 3080s and whatever. But the problem is, is the tech that you were developing it for, your your base tech, started to drop or started to get older, basically. Uh, you're talking about the PS4 and the Xbox One, and the tech inside of them was already at least a year old by the time they came out, you know? So I did not believe him when he said that. Uh, I think they should have done a better job of explaining to people before release how this game was going to look on the base consoles in order to temper expectations. What I do, though, uh, so but with, from that perspective, I do agree or I do believe him when he said that, you know, the, 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 the tech itself, the old consoles did generate a hurdle that they were just not expecting you know, or at least for it to give them as many problems as it did. He starts talking about bandwidth and the way the city loads. And because uh, usually, you know, if you have like an open world game, there's a lot of flat planes, which is easier to load versus this game where everything is just so condensed into one big city. So moving from one place to another where it has to load the next area, they just had to figure out how that was going to happen on the old consoles. From that perspective, yes, I could see that. I, I, I could I definitely do agree with that but um I think they just need to shut up at this point uh, again I could go on and on about this but I think they need to stop and I think they need to just get to work and stop damage controlling because it's not going to help them right now and for the ones that are mad at the studio I'll leave with this uh, or the ones that are mad about everything that they've done I mean Okay, they've put out apologies, they've owned up to it, they've released hotfixes, they've given refunds. Even if you haven't received your refund, you will still get your refund, right? We haven't seen this level. This this is unprecedented. Fallout yeah. 4, Fallout 76, which was a fucking mess when it came out, nobody asked for refunds. And if they did, they didn't give them, you know? And it's still buggy to this day. Anthem, nothing that we were promised pre-release was given to us. Correct. You know, for all the people that are saying that, you know, this game didn't... Me personally, um, it's not as earth shattering as I thought it was going to be because of the previous hype, you know, the hype that everybody had. But at the same time, me spending 138 hours in one playthrough on an open world game, for me, that speaks volumes because I don't like open world games generally, right? I don't have the patience to for, for huge, large maps. But in this case, it just spoke to me more. So I, I, I think they did they have something special on their hands in terms of the game itself. But the problem is, is nobody's really focusing on that just because of the outside noise. And I think they just need to stop. I think they, they need to completely disappear. And I think people also need to be fair to go back to my previous point, you know, because Anthem did not deliver anything that we were promised. Nothing at all. It was a, it was hot. It was a hot mess. You know, I didn't hear people freaking, uh, you know, uh, even though Bioware was, was held accountable for it. People didn't ask for refunds. Fallout 76, people didn't ask for refunds. You know what I mean? So I think we need to be patient and we need to chill. And if you don't like the game or never intended to play it, do you, man. That's cool. You know, but just adding on to the negativity over and over is not going to benefit anybody. They just need to shut up, basically, and work on what is important. You know, and I couldn't have said it any better. Uh, honestly, the, the video came out. Uh, they, they have thrown themselves onto the swords. I said spikes before. I really mm -hmm. should have been, uh, you know, uh, uh, saying swords. But that's exactly what they did. They fell on their own sword. They understand that they effed up big time. That, I mean, there's just no denying it. Everborn, I, I want to go to you next on this. You know, watching the video uh, and seeing the immediate 
backlash. You see, that's the thing that's interesting because this video was supposed to, I think it was done for two reasons. I think it was done as a, a genuine attempt to let the fan base know that, hey, listen, we hear you. We see you. But I think that this was also um, done for the investors. Now, we know that they, as a couple, there are a couple of class action lawsuits that are currently going on. A lot of their investors uh, are not happy with it. We get that. That's going to happen. Mm -hmm. they, they failed to deliver on their, you know, quote unquote, promise of what this game was supposed to be. Um, for you, where does it sit with this apology? Do you believe it or do you just want to walk away from it and be like, yeah, whatever? Okay, so I'm 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 all over the map with this game, and I'm going to tell a little story. I'm going to try not to take up too much time while telling this story, but uh, to to answer the question up front, I don't give a flying seven forty seven fuck about that apology, right? Okay, excellent. And, and 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 I'll tell you why. When you say to me, and forget about the gamers. I mean, yes, you should care about us. We're the customers. But when you say to me, these issues didn't come up during testing, what you're doing is throwing your testers under the bus, right? If I'm a game tester and I have cyberpunk on my resume and then I wanna go test something else, you know, how's that gonna look for, for, for me? You know, you're not the first person to say that. I'm glad that you brought that up. That's a great point. And, 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 and furthermore, they've already cashed in, right? What happened here is yes, you know, money, deadlines, everything else. You got the studio head who's also like um, the CEO and, and make like, so they, it was it was two months there, but they were making this game for seven years. They knew what the target was and we got what we got, right? So I say all that because I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just prefacing what I'm about to say with with these critiques right like and at the end of the day there's there is no excuse for what they did they knew what was going on and the things that bother me are how they would not let reviewers see the council version so mm -hmm. you didn't you you didn't know what was going on but you wouldn't show off the council footage right you reviewers had to use pre-selected footage and then you only showed the game running on high-end PCs. And that's fine. I understood that. I expected the game to look like shit on base consoles. You ever mm -hmm. try to play um, Jedi Fallen Order garbage. on an OG Xbox? I'm sorry. It's terrible. Yeah, but it's it's terrible. It's, it's, yeah. This is not a new thing, right? But what happened is... Again, I think I think Mag, you said this. People have been locked up for so long. People mm -hmm. love The Witcher. There was so much hype going into it. They've been waiting so long. We turn these studios into like messiahs, or and people do it with game comp, you know, uh, council makers too. Yeah, yeah. Threw everything on this, and so when it came out, I was looking forward to it because to me, I didn't even care about the lack of launch titles for the series x especially after halo got dropped because i was thinking it's fine because i'm going to be playing cyberpunk so i don't care right that that mm -hmm. was just a fact so i get it people were looking forward to it but what did you expect on those base consoles and i'm saying and i'm saying this as someone who 
owns the game on PC, playing on a 3080 and all the highest specs that you could get on a PC right now. And I also own it on and, and have played it on the Series X. I'm doing Corpo on, on PC and um, Street Kid on the Series X. Does it have problems? Sure, but it's not some shit that is like end of the world. And that's one side of it. And then the other side is when they delayed it from November, what, 17th or whatever? Three weeks. To, yeah. to, to December 10th, they got fucking death threats, right? So, so where do we stand on, oh my God, they delayed it, so it's the end of the world versus, okay, they put it out and they're going to fix it as they go. Now it's still the end of the world. It's just like people really want to want to complain. The game is fucked up, but it's not the worst fucked up game that ever got released. Not at all. 76. I, we, we could all go down the line and name ter- like bad things that happen. So that's that. Now, just to bring it back where the real issue that I see here is one, they need to stop talking, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, but also they had some, they were smelling their own farts, right? That's really what it is. They made The Witcher, everybody loved that, which didn't come out and was great day one. That was buggy buggy as shit too. Exactly. So they made that and this, they're they're doing the same thing, but they're like, hey, we made The Witcher, right? And, And so we can do what we want. Your studio, you made three games. Right, and each of those games took you a whole generation to put out. So you're a one game per generation studio. Last of Us Two took a whole generation to put out, but it was polished as fuck. Sorry for the cursing, boom, but it was polished when it came out. So I don't have sympathy for CD Projekt Red, but I also think a lot of people are just upset and. It doesn't matter how good it gets. It, it it's people just have it set in their mind that they want to be angry about this. Yes. The last thing I'll say is, I think that w- the game that they've made. When I first got it, I thought it was like mid, and I was disappointed by that. But when you really get into it and see what they put together, I think it the what they've created is getting lost in all of this nonsense. And that's the sad thing here because, you know, I was just playing the game and sitting back and just realizing how they really created an organic feeling city, right? And I I cannot point you to another game that has created that sort of atmosphere. Um, And I think that gets lost in in all of what's going on. Um, and that's the sad part about it because a lot of people put a lot of years into making that game, and it, it, it sucks that we we don't we we're not having the the conversations about the games that I, that I feel we should because everybody's shouting at the top of their lungs yeah. and they're just putting their foot in their mouths because they're they're an inexperienced studio. That's a fact. I, like I, they, this is their third game, really their third big game and they don't know how to handle a crisis and you know it is what it is but i think people should actually play the game more and maybe complain less and if 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 and i i get it if people want to wait right like i didn't want to wait for the um 
the next gen match. But so I'm playing it on PC. So, you know, it's tolerable. And maybe, maybe I'm not as angry because I'm not playing it on an OG Xbox or a PS4. But why would you do that? Anyway. No, no, yeah. no. I mean, listen, you, you bring up a you bring up a tremendous amount of, of points. Look, I, I'll tell you this. I talk about my brother on almost every show. Uh, Neo Mental is 400 plus hours into it. Uh, he absolutely loves it. There, there, there's no doubt about it. Yes, he has had some uh, issues. He's had some save things happen to him, but it never deterred him. It is what it was his game of the year, 2020, uh, and it's a game that even though he has gotten every ending except for the secret one, which I haven't talked to him in two days, so he might have gotten it. It's a game that he will continue to go and can and play because he likes looking for the nooks and crannies of stories that are in this game. That people are overlooking. Like if you do, like for instance, he told me about a mission that he had to go and kill a cop, and he he chose not to, and it opened up an entirely new side quest that he would have missed, that gave him some OP um, uh, armor. So I mean, mm -hmm. it just goes to show you that uh, I agree. I, I think that uh, if you really are going to get a varied opinion on. Who played it? I do. I do believe what you guys are saying. There are some people complaining that never picked up the game, and that is really ridiculous. If you're going to have an opinion, you got to at least play the game. Oh, yeah. uh, let's get to Cybernox on this. But Cyber, before I get to your brother, let me uh, grab a, a super chat that just came in. Smuzz two forty six drops an outstanding and very generous ten dollars super chat and says, "Thank you, Prime Time Crew, for brightening the last few hours of my two week crunch. Thirty three hours without sleep." But almost done. Having game withdrawals at this point. Have a great show. Well, dude, get some sleep, brother. Thank you so much mm -hmm. for the generosity. And I'm glad we can help pass the time. Cyber, the apology comes out. Uh, I think that uh, CD Projekt Red got the exact opposite in what they expected. Uh, mm -hmm. And this really took off in social media. It took off in game journalism as well. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, like I, I'm a big fan of Greg Miller and that team over there at Kind of Funny Games. And I watched him and Tim Geddes really go to town on this uh, apology video and they made a lot of sense. Of course, they had a lot of big things to say, including a lot of F-bombs, which which is which is <laughs> fine, but what are your thoughts on this apology? Is it disingenuous? Hey, um, this is 100% damage control. There is nothing genuine about this apology, in my opinion, at all. Um, you can see from the video, uh, it, it, between Mo and Everborn, I think they pretty much hit all the points that I was going to mention, too. But even in the video, Everborn just mentioned, he's apologizing, but in one hand, he's like giving his QA team a backhanded slap. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what? You know, that doesn't make any sense. Um, and for them to be working on this game for so long, this was a game that was supposed to come out on last generation, right? It was supposed to come out for Xbox One, PS4. But no, they knew exactly what kind of game they were putting out. Now, the more they keep talking about this, the the it's going to stay fresh on everyone's minds, yes. right? The more they keep yes. apologizing. Do you ever do something bad to someone and every time you see them, you apologize to them? Even yes. though already like, yes. like all you keep doing <laughs> is you keep freaking, you know, putting gas on that on that fire. You know what I mean? You keep putting salt to the wound stop talking we already knew that they were going to 
you know, do right by this game. The Witcher is a, a testament to that. Like they mentioned as well, The Witcher 3, probably one of my favorite games of last generation. I'm playing it right now because I want to get the 1,000 uh, achievements on Xbox. Actually, 2,000, right? Um, that game came out a buggy mess as well. But they, yeah. they, you know, stood by it, kept working on it. They're still working on it because there's supposed to be a next gen patch on it. Uh, who knows when that's coming out now? But it was supposed to come out early, um, maybe for first quarter this year. Second but half. Then, second. Oh, it's second half. Okay, so mm -hmm. second half. So, uh, yeah, man, they need to relax. And the fact, and if they say one, if they talked about how, you know, the limitations of the last gen, um hardware they knew that if if they were at production for such a long time and they saw exactly what was required of these machines or these consoles and they knew the experience that that consumer was going to have they needed to have a discussion it was required for them to have a discussion at that point and be like listen guys we need to make a change here or we need to make a decision here what we're going to do with this product it was their name on the line and it's sad to see because all not all, but a lot of people are just looking at them now in the same uh, in the same way that they're looking at EA, Bethesda at one point, right? All they want to do is make money, right? Activision, and they're looking, and a lot of gamers held CD Projekt Red to another standard, right? They said, oh, no, these are the pro-consumer uh, mm -hmm. developers. They're, you know, they're here to give us the, the everything on one game. They're giving us more, look at, you know, um, I forgot the the DLC for The Witcher. Jesus. The, oh, Blood and Wine. Blood and Wine. Blood and Wine. Yeah. yeah, Blood and Wine. You know, it's the length of some games by themselves. You know, so a lot of people use that as examples. And for him to say too that they didn't know, please, this was a board of executive members from the company making that decision, allowing the game to be released in that state that was released. Period. They they want. They went. I, I'm not sure why they didn't think that this game was still gonna carry on hype. It's been on development for such a long time, and if, and if they and they had such goodwill with the fans that even if they delayed uh, till next year or you know next year holiday next year, and they explained the reasoning for it and maybe gave us some examples of, as to why it was that they needed the delay, it would still have been a successful game in my opinion you know and it, it's sad to see this happening to uh cd project red but it's also it can be a blessing in disguise that now consumers keep their eyes open a little bit more and you know and and hold some of these companies more accountable for it i played a little bit of the game i experienced a few of the bugs and and i'm on the series x um so i was just like you know what i'm gonna finish off some other games I'll come back to it. I'm not in a rush to play this game, but kind of like uh, I don't I don't know if it was Mo or Everborn mentioned. There are people that really love this game. Like the ambition of this game is tremendous. You could uh, see it, man. Yeah, you could see it when you're playing it. Yeah, yeah. Boom. You said you know Neo Metal has been playing for 400 hours, man. It's like, probably closer to five. I just said four to just to be to you know to lowball it, but he is really like neck deep into it and loves every minute of. It. And like I said, he has had some problems, but if you ask him. I mean, for, for, I'll put it to this way. Almost throughout the entire 2020 campaign, Ghost of Tsushima was his game of the year uh, for everything that that game is. And it's just a masterpiece, what they mm -hmm. pulled off. And it was it was moved out of the way. And I don't mean just like politely shoved. It was like 
pushed off a cliff out of the way for him be, for game of the year because CD Projekt Red, for him, even though it did release with problems, had an incredible experience with it. Yeah, and for Tempest too, man. Tempest and uh, our pinball, uh shout out to Tempest as well. He already said it's probably one of his favorite games of all time. You wow. know, oh, yeah. there are people that really love it, and I completely understand, but to let the game be released the way it was released, it's their yeah. fault. So yeah. at, at this point, they should just stop talking about it. Just, you know, let the updates come in, let the game, let the fixes speak for themselves. And at, the, at that point, um, you know, let the fans uh, tell how much they love the game or dislike the game. Yeah, and I absolutely agree. Uh, Forte, are you there, brother? I am here. All right, well, let's get you in on the conversation. But before I do, let me thank Gotham Guy, who drops an outstanding and very generous $20 super chat and says, Boom, when I was with you at E3 in 2019, I was lucky enough to watch the CD Projekt Red demo at the booth, and I noticed it was all still running on a PC. I feel like they did make this game with PC in mind first. I mean, that's true, but, man, I'll say this. I think it's safe to assume, uh, just like Cyber was saying, that if this, there's no way their testers missed yeah. the bugs on the vanilla PlayStation and the um the OG Xbox One. They're yeah. just not, and I think that that's a that's a straight up lie. They said we don't care. We're pushing forward, and we'll deal with it. But and and in truth, how many? It's been reported, folks, that they sold 13.8 million copies after those returns uh-huh. so mm-hmm. there you go but before, hey, hey, before sorry sorry yeah. boom and forte i just wanted to add something to what Knox said uh uh cyber said um i know that so people are saying that like all cd project red cares about is money i just like i just want to break it to everybody out there Every art that had piece of art that has ever been produced for commercial consumption, yes. that is what they care about. They yes. release it to make money. Yeah. Yes. Even the greatest of artists, that's what it's there for. You go to the Sistine Chapel right now, they paid somebody to paint that, right? Like it's about money every time for everyone, for your favorite artsy fartsy yes. developer or movie producer or writer or musician. There's- it's always money, like. We 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 gotta separate like you know uh, business motivations from art. The art is is what the art is, but they did do it to make money. Now, great uh, business people will create great art and earn that our money, which is fine. But let's be clear: EA and Sony and Microsoft and name drop a company all in them. there. They all. all they're all there for the money because that's what pays to produce these things. Yeah, no, I, I, I right. just think that one little thing too that that, that they that a lot of people are, or they're getting a lot of backlash for is just because there were a lot of things that they promised that there would be on the game that are not on the game, and and once you turn that around and then people also oh, they just wanted to kind of cash in not deliver all this like you can I can clearly I completely understand what you we all like I'm. T- I'm saying this about them, and they're like I said, they produce probably one of my favorite games of last gen. So I completely agree. We have to learn how to separate the two. But in this case here, I, I think it was um it was the wrong move to do what they did. One hundred percent. 
100%. Listen, let's uh, let's bring a Forte into the conversation. Forte, for you, as someone that represents, you know, you work for GameStop, and you've obviously, you there, there is a certain PR arm that you must flex when you're uh, when you're putting when you're putting your store together. Obviously, right. it's got to be neat. It's got you guys got to ha- you, you know your your the people that work under you have to have the correct information. You have to be abreast of certain situations going on. Seeing this apology immediately get so much backs uh, uh, you know um let's say backslap for you like your co-host but um uh, you oh, know shout out to him yeah sure absolutely shout out to slow-mo he was on friday's breakfast at boom but wh- where do you sit personally with this apology so i have this game i have yet to boot it up on my xbox it's already installed and I was just waiting for patch after patch, and I'm like, at a certain at a certain point, I'm just going to wait for the next gen update because Me I know too. the game. I know the game's going to be phenomenal because I believe in the pedigree and the and the development that they go through to make these games great. But I'm not about to deal with none of the stuff that's going on in the game, even if I don't experience it like some other people do. It's the fact that I kind of know about it, so I'll just wait. But I, I'm keeping my game. I'm not refunding it. I'm going to keep because I know the game is. Is, is great because too many people are saying it's great. But when it comes to this response, and maybe this is why I'm a little calmer about the situation, but the simple fact of the matter is you if they if you took that same apology video and replaced it with not even replaced it, but just said everything that you said had no problem with it, but then you just said and because of all of these things, we're delaying the next the cre- the current the current gen version. I think we would be a hundred percent all in agreement that they would have been like, "Yo, that's the right decision to do." Mm-hmm. Because Every one they of are a PC. So. Everybody that loves this company knows that they are a PC gaming company first. They mm-hmm. are going to do everything to make sure that PC version is stellar coming out the gate now i think they did understand that there's going to be some margin of errors when it comes to some of the bugs and stuff that were in the game because witcher 3 was not immune to that so i think even gamers that played witcher 3 knew that that was going to be a possibility there were a little bit more bugs in this version of the pc version but it was tolerable but the problem was current gen consoles we don't have a next gen update so why are we even worrying about what's going on with these consoles in the first place so at a certain point i'm like you telling people that you know the game is we didn't see these issues i'm sitting there like like everybody else said it's like what did you not even test the game because you're basically saying you ain't test the game you're telling me current gen platforms ain't get tested and then when i thought about it it came back to they're a PC gaming company first and oversight. They take for granted what they see on screen is able going to be translated down to a lower echelon systems with no issues at all. They think they probably could just scale and upscale and do the things they need to do system wise. But then when they finally get to the point where they got to say, yo, rubber hits the road. What's going on with these last gen system upgrades? People got their hands in the air like, we still we're still trying to figure out this situation and mm-hmm. as the time goes on they're still trying to figure out more and more and more and more it you know i hate to throw you know X, microsoft into the conversation but this is like kind of the same thing when you think about halo it's like 343 knew what was going on with their game but microsoft wasn't giving them enough oversight to basically say yo 
what happened with this game and why did you show it the way that you showed it? It's kind of like it's kind of like cyber, I'm not cyber, like uh, CD Projekt Red looked at it's like the PC version looks great. It looks amazing. You know, the systems are working. Yeah, there's some bugs. We could patch that stuff with a day one zero update and we can get some of that stuff fixed over thing. But what about the, the console version? The console version is the problem. That's the one that you're banking on selling the most because we're talking about 120 million PlayStation 4s out there, somewhere around 50 to probably 60 million Xboxes out there. And then we're talking about next-gen updates that's going to basically trickle out throughout the course of 2021. Those are where your, your, your sales are going to come from. And like everybody just said, it basically just comes back as a slap in the face to make it seem like we're stupid. Now, I also go back to the fact that they need to be quiet. There's the reason. There's a. There's a reason No Man's Sky doesn't get any flack anymore. Because what did they do when when they were under fire? They went underground and literally <laughs> just fixed their game yeah. for one year. For a whole year. One year. You didn't hear one thing from the like people forgot about them, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, um, uh, uh, No Man's Sky next came out, and people were like, "Yo, look at this game!" And mm-hmm. guess what? A year, two years later, they come out with the next gen update, and it looks it looks it looks better than most next gen games that are out right now. I gotta that, play that. I, I, no, I, I've been to get on that. It's but, phenomenal. But but Forte, I just want to add one thing about, about yeah, uh, CDPR though, like and the comparison to, to 343. I think how would we have felt see like 343 didn't show us uh uh you know I don't want to say a fake version of the game. No, they didn't show us a fake version of the right? game. That they was, showed us what they had. Well, that's like, the thing. It wasn't, that they, they, that. it wasn't but, the fact that they showed us a fake version is because it's not 343. It was Microsoft and the oversight. Right. But Their now, oversight is what let us down. Like 343 showed what they had. They didn't lie. They didn't do anything. So that's why we don't kill 343. They showed us exactly what the game was going to be. And people made the decision and said, yo, delay this freaking game because that's what we want this game to be. So it was no lie and deception there. The biggest problem was how did this even get to that point where Microsoft can allow it to go on a stage and be shown? And that's where I could, that's why I compare Microsoft to the upper echelon of uh, CD Projekt Red. The oversight was like, yo, we got a very good version of the PC and that's all they cared about. Mm -hmm. You know, they only cared about that PC version and then when it finally came down to getting ready to ship the game probably back in April of this year or last year because that's when they delayed it the first time. They probably was like, yo, PC version is ready to go. Uh, What's up with this console version? And that's when they started seeing that, yo, console version got a long way to go. We need to do this and do that. Mm-hmm. And they used it as a, basically used that as a scapegoat to say, we just need more time for polishing and stuff. No, you basically had to fix an entire generation of console games because you weren't ready to delay, put the game out now. So I didn't have a big problem with the overall messaging that he came out and said in the apology video i just think it would have went way better over if they would just said this is what's going on with the game and this is why we're delaying the current gen versions of all platforms for consoles and we're just going forward with the pc version i mean 
And Cleveland would have been a hundred percent and under. And then they try to cite the everybody knows COVID nineteen is a big problem. It's like when they say it, it just seems like you're you're truly blaming it on it when we already know that that's kind of a thing. So when you go out and say it to like your your constituents and all the people that bought your game. That's something that we already know, but you're kind of trying to make it seem like, oh, well, and then it was also this. And I'm like, no, you don't get that pass because you knew this seven months ago when you delayed it the first time that you were going to be going up against these deadlines. You just wanted to release the game to make the money because the game was going to release in the holiday season, the biggest time of year for people to buy games. And guess what? I love that gamers are literally throwing them to task because you know what? We are the voice and console, not console, but casual gamers that go out to the store and buy this game. They're starting to hear that. I had people come into the store today was like, yo, what do you think about Cyberpunk? I said, I got it. I haven't played it yet. They said, can I hear the game is trash? I, yeah. I don't ever hear that from just random people that don't know nothing about any of this stuff walking in the store because they hear us complaining. They hear Greg Miller and them on yes. kind of funny complaining about it. So yes. now you're really going to start seeing it hurt their bottom line. But the thing mm -hmm. is, it's still not enough because they're going to still sell millions of copies of this game no matter it, what. Here's the thing, though. That, that, that can only last for so long, though, right? right. Because... When they release their next game, nobody's going to really be checking for them, right? Like, people are – they are on a wait-and-see list right now. Like, well, that's with, with us. everybody, right? Well, that's no, no, it's not just with us, though, no, because no, – We're the ones that start the conversation. Like, the reason this game is selling the way it's selling is because we love Witcher 3. We talk this developer up like crazy. So when we say, yo, this is one of the best developers out there, and we said Witcher 3 is one of the best games they ever created that will probably one of the best RPGs ever created, people take notice to that. It starts filtering down to the, the common gamer that knows nothing about this, and they probably just want to play a really great RPG. So what? you're right. This game is going to succeed just because of the, the mindshare that we gave it in the beginning. But the next game they make, if we don't back that game, that game will suffer. But I don't I don't think that we just as the community are going to back anything that they do until they have proven themselves like on a launch. And again, I do feel like we it's sad that what they created is being taken away from because they they fucked up the rollout of the launch. But they did it but, to themselves. But, 1000%. And what how different would the situation be if they just did the flight sim model? Look, it runs great on PCs, even though it doesn't. Very buggy. I'm playing it on the 3080. I've yeah. had issues. Not right. graphics, not game-breaking stuff, but like weird, ridiculous, how did this make it to launch bugs? So yes, that's there. But had they released only on PC and get all of that fanfare like Flight Sim did, and then say, okay, we'll release it on the consoles when it's not going to brick your system <laughs> or, 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 or whatever it is, right? They could have done that and they would have had the positive fanfare and ha in that lead up to when they release on the console. And that's they, the they question right that. there. And, and it the would have been right released there. six months ago. And that's the question right there. PC. Why? And I'm going to ask you that, Arborborn. Why didn't they do that? Oh, that, that's poor management. Now, one other thing I wanted to add that I had forgot while I was going on my little rant there no, is 
just back to the, the Microsoft comparison, I think Halo gets delayed because Microsoft can't afford to delay it. I don't CD Project Red don't got nothing else going on unless it's a a, a Gwent yeah, card they game. Own, they, they, they own. They do own. you know how much? Dude, they make so much money. They, they own, own the they own the Gog store. Yes, on, on I just they that. have their yeah. own gaming client. Yeah, they're no they're no slouch. They're no look, slouch. Look, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing for me. It's like like I said. That's why ultimately, and I know people probably upset that I compare the, to me. It was more of the oversight, which is the problem. I don't because people keep trying to say the developers are terrible. I don't think the developers are terrible That's because you can't true. be a you can't be a terrible developer and make the games that they make. You, you play that game. Yeah, you play that game and you tell me if the developers You tell me if it's terrible. Like I said, because that's why I'm not refunding it, because I know mm -hmm. the game ultimately when it's finally fixed and everything is good, is going to be an amazing game. And hopefully that's enough to kind of stifle some of the stuff. But the biggest problem is they had a golden opportunity to like literally in front of them and say, COVID-19 is killing us, and we we got some stuff going. Even if they just said we are completely canceling current gen, if they would have just canceled current gen, you think people would have, like, batted an eye at them? They no. probably would have been upset. Yeah, but they couldn't some give up that money. Listen, some they people would have been up upset. Some people no, – that's the problem. That's exactly mm -hmm. what you just said. The reason that this game released like it released is because they wanted to get as much money. They knew exactly what was going on with it, and that's why I'm happy that every last person out there is taking them to task. Even if they are being way too oversensitive about the situation, they deserve this because the main reason they did it is to try to get over on gamers. And gamers, for the first time – in a long time, have he come together. And said, you are not doing that to us, and this will be the and, I, and this won't be the first or the last time it happens. We're in an age now where everybody has a voice, and people feel like they can express that voice. And CG Project Red just happens to be the first catalyst of change when it comes to stuff like this. I, I, I'll say this: first of all, everyone has had incredible points. Uh, we are closing in on an hour of the first, <laughs> the first topic, so we're probably <laughs> going to get to get right, right, It's okay. No, no. Listen, this is this is a, this is a great conversation, and you know how I, you know how I run my shows. There really is no time limit. If we don't get to every topic, we just don't get to every topic. But I do want to get Mag's opinion on this. Mag, listen, you yep. beat the game. You're almost at 1,000 out of 1,000 achievements. Ooh. Obviously, you enjoyed the game. But with that said, that does mm -hmm. not take their ass from the flame in regards to this so-called or supposed apology video that, again, immediately, immediately may ran the gauntlet of negativity. What are your thoughts on how they produce this video and do you like everyone on this panel feel that it was a very disingenuous way of saying we effed up you know i'm not really 100 percent sure about how i feel about that apology i watched it a few times just to just to try and you know read the facial features just trying to like you know what i mean like just trying to see what is this guy telling the truth or is he just kind of full of it like i couldn't really tell but the thing is, you could definitely tell he was reading cue cards because he kept looking off the side of the camera. So it's not coming from his heart. It's not like us talking here right now where we're talking straight from the hip. You know, we're shooting, you know, shoot from the hip, basically, right? This guy's reading off cue cards. I get it. You know, he's in charge. You don't want to muffle up words. You don't want to screw things up. You want to be very clear and concise. But, however, that being said, I, I didn't feel about it one way or another, but I did I did feel one thing. It's It's got to be. It's balls, man. 
I mean, that's big balls to go out there and do that because a lot of people would just hide behind the corporate structure and just disappear and let other people take the fall for it. At least, regardless of how we feel about it, at least he had the balls to come out and say something. Now, that being said, I'm not going to retread what everybody else already said because everybody's been saying basically everything that I've been thinking about, and I'm sure the chat's already thought about all this stuff too. So I'm not going to retread that. However, what they need to do, and I, I believe Mo it was the one who said it, and uh, it was one of my earlier thoughts too, was that go the no man's sky route, okay? Uh, where just shut up. Don't say anything. You know, fix it as you go along, but just stop talking about it, okay? Mm -hmm. Stop talking about it. Stop apologizing. And you know, you know who else is at fault for this? Microsoft does this a whole lot too. They do way too much talking, okay? And way too many updates. Oh, this is what's going on this week. This is what's going on that week. I'm like, guys, just work on the game. Get it out of people's minds. Cyber was saying that. If you keep apologizing to someone, yeah. you keep reopening that wound. Right. right. So stop. And, and, and Mag, people, and we suck as human beings for this, but yeah. people respect you a lot less when you keep apologizing exactly. and saying sorry. Like, exactly. But it also gets really annoying. You know, like laws it, gets, of power. it gets really annoying after a while. They're like, guys, just work on the game. We got other stuff to worry about. Okay, we got families, we got school, we got work, we got whatever we got to do. We got gaming, we got all kinds of other games to play, we got a pandemic to deal with. Well, I don't want to think about Halo every six days for the next 10 months. Just let them work on it. When it comes, it comes. Uh, same with this game. Now, I'm basically done now, but you know, I'm really pissed off. The only thing I'm pissed off about with CD Projekt Red is their achievement system. That is something that has irked me from day one, from Witcher 3, and now this game here. When you lock me out of an achievement because I decided to go right instead of go left, <laughs> now you're going to make me replay 12 hours of the campaign just to get that 15 points? It's not happening. Yeah, I'm done true. with it. So anyways, I put the game on, and you know what I did when I finished? When I finally finished? I uninstalled it just so I don't have to look oh. at the hell anymore. No, yeah. not, not. I'm not going back to play another 12 hours to go left instead of right. Okay, it's the it's the completionist in you, man. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, that was the well, only while, while we're on gripes with the game, I yeah. really found like it it rubbed me the wrong way that you know you have these different classes like uh you know nomad, street kid, corpo, but and I, I've I've been playing through on street kid and corpo, and the missions are still the same. Kind of bothers like you have your different yeah, well, there was no point in doing those. It was the What's prologue. That? Yeah, that but, was it. Yeah, yeah but that's yeah, kind of bothering me. Well, look, I, I'll say this. I mean, listen again. It's it's a game that's very divisive. Uh, it's a game that people are loving, people are hating, people are lukewarm. Listen, I just picked it up for twenty nine dollars on Amazon.com. It's thirty oh. bucks right now, folks. Oh, yeah. yeah, so I I just picked it up, and I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to sit in the cellophane. I'm not opening it. I'm not installing it because I'm not touching it until the um, patch comes out next year. I have a lot to play, so I'm not really too concerned about it. Uh, but I said, well, for 30 bucks, it's hard to walk away from that. And, you know, I mean, could it potentially go cheaper? Yeah, I would imagine so, like all games. But I still think that uh, it was worth the thirty bucks. And again, I want—I I will be very interested to know, even if it takes me half a year to finally play this. What is the hype? Because I know that my brother loves it, and I know a lot of people have a lot of good experiences, but a lot of people have a lot of bad experiences. But I do want to take the time to move on to one of the 
bigger topics of the show. Now, folks, we have almost 300 people here, and I want to say this. If you are here and you are new to this program, I want to say welcome. Uh, of course, we do cover multi-plats on this particular uh, show, uh, on, uh, as well as Breakfast and Boom on Friday mornings. We do have the Xbox Factor podcast on Thursday, and I have officially launched a fourth live show into the Double Barrel Gaming Network that is starting tomorrow, uh, season one, episode one of Xbox One-on-One with Zemi Games, known as the Constant Gamer. It is a smaller program on Tuesdays. It's meant to be about covering the games coming out in 2021, and quite frankly, there is a lot to cover. But again, it's a smaller Xbox program, but it is starting. The first episode will be going live tomorrow at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And every Tuesday moving forward, it is a limited run series, folks. If we get good feedback, if the people dig it, it's something that Zemi and I will continue doing. But just like the X-Cast on, of course, kind of funny, they started that with, of course, uh, you know, a test run, if you will. And again, if the audience isn't there, we're not going to continue to, you know, to to pour our hearts and souls into these scripts that we write and the time to do, you know, to, you know, to uh, put these shows on. So if it is a success with the community and you guys and gals do tune in uh, on Tuesdays and you like the program, you like the format, you like the one-on-one, that means that you're going to be bringing to the table. We will then, of course, continue that program uh you know obviously adding to the double barrel gaming network but i do want to move on to topic (laughs) number two and this one folks is the big one this one is uh, a topic that i think is going to have a lot of uh, a lot of layers uh there's going to be a lot of emotion behind it uh certainly not as salty as of course the last topic with cd project red but i do want to talk about star wars that's right we got an announcement last week a big announcement that ubisoft uh ubisoft the division 2 developer massive entertainment will be tasked to be to bring us a new open world adventure and this obviously comes as an announcement from lucas films games uh they announced this deal last week with ubisoft and folks i could not be happier one of my favorite developers this generation has been ubisoft uh, i put folks get get ready for this 40 days into Assassin's Creed Odyssey. That's right, 40 days. Not 40 hours, 40 days. Uh, And I love that game. I'm loving Valhalla. I'm enjoying Watch Dogs uh, tremendously. Got to get back to that. Uh, And I think that what they have done with the Division uh, 1 and 2 has been great. But getting back to Massive Entertainment... Uh, the, the having them helm a Star Wars game after seeing what they did with the Division One and Two has me incredibly excited. Now, in the last few years, the dreaded EA exclusivity deal uh, with Star Wars. Uh, had seen big promises ripped away from us in the form of Star Wars 1313 and the a- a- the Amy Hennick Uncharted meets Star Wars pulled away at the last minute. Of course, she is no longer with EA. She's doing her own thing. I cannot believe we didn't get that particular Star Wars. Well, now we have this new information. And listen, regardless of whether or not you were a fan of the Division 1 and 2, 
Massive entertainment knows how to tell a story. They know how to create a living and breathing world. And with mm -hmm. the entire Star Wars universe at their disposal, my personal hype meter is through the roof and Ubisoft being involved. I'm expecting big things. Now, Julian Garrity, who was the creative director of the of the, the Division 2, will serve in the same role for the unannounced Star Wars title. Of course, the unnamed Star Wars title will be developed with the Snowdrop engine, which was the most recently engine used for the Division 2. It's a versatile engine that, despite being created for open-world games, was used to incredible success with those titles. Now, here is what Julian Garrity had to say on the recent announced project. This is a lore that we love, and we want to do it justice with a game and story that brings both lifelong and new fans on an immersive and outstanding journey that will stay with them for years. Now, what's interesting about this particular project is because it seems as this could potentially be you're going to get a story, but the game is going to exist after the main campaign, a la Destiny. Now, I don't know if it's going to be Destiny-esque, but it does seem like it's going to be a service-based game. And I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of people might be booing that. For me, I'm very excited because... I put over 1,500 hours into the Division 1 and 2. I put over 1,000 hours into, into Destiny 1 and 2, maybe even more than that. And I really like the idea of a big open-world Star Wars game with a character that I potentially can create uh -huh. and make canon in a, in a world that I have been invested in since I was a kid when I saw the first film in theaters as a kid. So, Dr. Mo, let's let's bring you in on the conversation. This was last week was a flurry of information that came in the form of unannounced, you know, things popping up. Monday, Monday turned out to be uh, the rebranding re of Lucas Games films, right? A uh, Lucasfilm Games, right? Sure. Right after that, we got the Indiana Jones announcement. I mean, like, holy shit! And then, uh -huh. of course, followed that with, of course, the announcement that this team was going to make us an open world Star Wars game and uh -huh. massive was going to be that. How excited are you for that? I think it's, uh, I think it's actually fantastic, man. You know, um, we all know how we all feel, you know, or the majority of us feel about EA and their handling of the license. And I don't want to retread, you know, that same old song and dance. Uh, I think what saved EA, uh, with the Star Wars license, they're lucky actually battlefront too. And they fixed it so well, uh, to the point that it has become pretty successful for them. It still has a huge player base. But what really rescued them in terms of storytelling is uh, Jedi Fallen Order. And that's because that was the first time that EA had said, okay, we need to actually tell stories with this license, you know, give people what they want instead of just retreading the same old shit over and over about stories that we know, you know, or the same landscapes that we've seen before or the same set pieces that we've seen before just done on a more massive scale. So I think telling an original story uh, was probably what saved, what gave them some goodwill with uh, the fans. Now, with that being said, uh, I think this is good because I, I think Disney themselves really wanted to make this happen uh cons considering that they pretty much own the world and i and i can't help but feel that this past year itself was a a probably some sort of um 
Kickstarter for it. I think what Disney, I think Disney uh, financially had some setbacks this year uh, just because of COVID and their parks and, yeah. and, and everything in general. And I think that uh, they saw that the gaming industry was completely record breaking this year. It was just incredible. Look at the year Nintendo by themselves had. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. And uh, everybody wants a piece of that pie. And I think Nintendo lo- or uh, Disney looked at that. Um, uh, Disney just looked at what they had and they're like, well, why aren't we more involved in this? What are we exactly doing? I, I, I'm. Pre- it seemed like they just reevaluated everything and decided to, you know, keep the license with EA, but not exclusively. You know, they basically told them, I don't know. I, I know that the contract expires with EA in what, three years, I said? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. The, that contract was null and voided. Uh, I don't know how they did it. I don't know if they paid for it. but I'm sure it, they did. They don't care. You know, right. I mean, it, it, was, yeah. it, it was originally, you are correct, Mo. It was uh, ending in the fall of 2023. Uh, that deal is officially now DOA. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the world is better for it. Uh, there, yeah. there is no doubt in anyone's mind that you said it, mismanagement of the IP is probably the least gross way to say it. Because when you look at what they did with, uh, and again, if you, if you remove Jedi Fallen Order from the conversation, they have had almost seven years, two games. And the second Battlefront, yeah. even though it looks beautiful and it's running beautiful now and it's all tidied up, launched with tremendous controversy due to... Oh, absolutely. Models. Oh, yeah. And, and, oh, and, yeah. Rightful, and rightfully deserved. Mm-hmm. EA no longer being in control. They're still going to make games. Jedi Fallen Order is coming, right? I would imagine that they might have something else with EA in Star Wars. I don't know if, if we're going to get... Um, a rogue squadron. I don't know if they're going to uh, continue with the squadrons game that released uh, late last year, but I can tell you that I think knowing that other developers and, and, and again, we're going to turn this around on Microsoft for a second, because I have been saying this banging this drum. I would love to see obsidian get their hands on a star Wars IP once again, and go crazy with, and again, a lot of people are like, well, they're not going to do Knights of the Old Republic three. That's fine. But they just released a book, the high Republic, which is out right now. And they could easily take that lore and do a game. And again, they have a lot of pro projects going on at obsidian mm-hmm. right now, but they are, if, if, if there's someone in Microsoft that you want to do a star Wars game, it's probably those dudes. I I think uh, you know just so I can end with uh, uh I think it's good to br- to bring Ubisoft's flavor into this you know to inject it with some flavor to see what they're going to do I know Ubisoft Massive is a very good studio you know with what they did the only my only concern with Massive doing this uh, doing this game is story mm. because because despite how you feel about the Division Two I think you, everybody can pretty much say that the story was not its greatest strong suit. It, I mean, it wasn't as strong as the original, for sure. No, no, I yeah, definitely. So, um, if they can make it somehow as approachable, keep you busy, uh, you know, but also tell a good, genuine Star Wars story, and I think they'll have a smash hit on their hands. To be honest with you, you know, uh, and and we're assuming that it's going to be a, uh, a a service game, a live service game. For all intents and purposes, it might not be. They just That's might make it. They could make a large open world RPG of so. I'm just saying, like, obviously, we're all speculating here, but we're just assuming that they're going to because I, I personally don't know how 
they're going to, and again, I'm, I'm not in that position, so I'm just sitting here thinking about it. I don't know how much they can keep adding to make people coming back to an open world Star Wars game that's done the same way as The Division. You know, so, uh, uh, but if it's contained, if it's self-contained in a story, in a large open world, I don't know, you know, maybe maybe that itself can uh, can be more successful, but you know, we'll see. I think either way they're going to they're going to have a big hit on their hands. You slap Star Wars on anything and it'll sell, man. You know, so they yeah. just have to deliver. I I I I I like I like the way you're thinking cuz you know what? We don't know if it's, it's going to be a division-esque type of title. It could very well be just a Jedi Fallen Order single player uh, open world. Just uh, you know, let, let's let's say uh, you know Fallout, for instance. It's just a big open world with lots of side stories to miss or find, uh, and, and it could be an eighty or two hundred hour uh, you know open world RPG with Star Wars. And either way that they decide to go, I'm happy to know that this game is mm-hmm. in Ubisoft's court because sure. we know that they're going to do. If there's one thing you can guarantee about a Ubisoft game, whether you like their formula or not, it's going to work. It's going to be a mm-hmm. solid uh, story. Everborn, let's get let's get to you for a second because you obviously are someone that created a story in the Everborn saga, and and obviously with Star Wars being announced, it's no longer under the evil emperor. Uh, you know, known as not Palpatine, but EA. They no longer have control of the Senate, basically, which is of course the Star Wars uh, IP. And now we get we get word and confirmation from both Massive Entertainment and Lucasfilm Games that yes, they are bringing us an open world Star Wars game. How? Where? Where did you put your, your excitement level fall? Okay. Let, firstly, I would say you you just give me the division and throw some blasters in there and put it in place. <laughs> I'm good. They're done. Job's over. I'm happy, right? Like so that would be great. But but the 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 larger point here, I think is it's not so much that EA loses Star Wars. It is that Star Wars is now open to you know, hopefully every major publisher, meaning what can Ubisoft bring to Star Wars? What can give Sony an exclusive Star Wars title, give Xbox an exclusive Star Wars title, right? Let, let in exile make a, a, a Star Wars RPG, right? Let's do it all. And let's see what we have, because I've always looked at Star Wars, not necessarily as a linear storyline, but as a sandbox where sort of a milieu where you could tell any number of stories in any time frame. And I think that was my biggest probably issue with these latest movies and with, um, you know, um, some of the games not fall in order was that we keep, like they keep telling us Star Wars is this huge universe, but they keep coming back to the Skywalker and those events around them. I want to see other stories in different parts of the galaxy and let's let's have everybody tell them. So I do want more EA Star Wars game. I want another Fallen Order, but I also want whatever Ubisoft's going to bring and I want them to let Sony do a third person over the shoulder story driven mm-hmm. action adventure game set in the Star Wars universe. Let Naughty Dog do it. Why not? Or Insomniac, whoever. Right. Let the coalition do a Mandalorian kind of game. I don't know whatever it is. But the good news is, is that the shackles are off. Yes. And I think 
And I think even if we get 10 Star Wars games and only two of them are masterpieces, those are two masterpiece Star Wars games that maybe we wouldn't have got before. So yep. I'm excited about it. And I, 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 I want to see more. And, 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 um, and let's run the gamut. Let's do it. I'm hyped. I'm happy. I'm hyped. Yeah, you know, and, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, let me just that's right. let jump me, in, Mo. Please done just one thing, actually, because I just saw it in the group chat or in the group chat, in the chat. So somebody said division doesn't fit in all games. They did that for it's ice cold. He said they did that for breakpoint, where I get a cowboy hat with armor than an armor helmet. And I agree with that to a certain extent because I was a huge fan of Ghost Recon when it was actually what Ghost Recon was, when it was military and it was and and and, and it focused on the things that made it great, you know, instead breakpoint of breakpoint wasn't great. The one no, prior and, to it was much and, better. Yeah, it was much better, but still. But it, you don't necessarily have to put in that same type of formula into every type of the, of this game. And if they can make it work, I, I'm I'm happy for the people that like it. I'm just saying, like, I just hope that they don't shoehorn it into it and just slap Star Wars on it. You know, so that's all I want to say. No, and listen, <laughs> I, again, I, I say this all the time. Not every game is for every gamer, but I will say this: there's a good chance a Star Wars game. Is for every gamer at, at some point, and let let yes. listen. All I know is that I I am excited for what could potentially be. They, they, this is this is years out. We're we're not getting this probably until twenty twenty three fall, potentially early twenty twenty four. That's just my uh, you know, opinion. That is not something that mm -hmm. uh, Ubisoft said. Uh, real quick, before I get to uh, Cybernox, one of our big Star Wars fans, I want to catch up on some of these super chats from our very good friend. A Nightwolf 3186, he drops an outstanding $5 super chat. says, great panel. Boom. You know I'm on board for the Star Wars topic, LOL. Hopefully you take us on a ride of spe to, to Speculation Town, one of my favorite places to hang out. I'm sure I'd love to be there. Well, thank you so much, dude. And he drops an additional super chat of $10. Uh, thanks so much, dude, for your generosity. He says, according to an article about massive taking over a Star Wars RPG game. The lead guy grew up owning everything and watching all Star Wars. Uh, point is, they picked someone who is passionate for it. And again, that is big. That's good having, to know. Having yeah. somebody be a part of this project is like getting someone to that remembers playing with the Kenner figures. Uh, when they didn't, they didn't even have battle grip. Their arms just moved straight like robots. And then you, late, much, much, you know, later in your life, you're in the movie business, and you get to direct an, an episode of The Mandalorian. It's a dream come true. So you're going to make sure that what is put on film is exciting for you as a fan, but exciting to others that are going to be watching it. And I think that if they can bring that to same tenacity to the new game, I think we're all in for a, a serious treat. Cybernox, when you heard that not only and shockingly uh, EA is no longer uh, holding this, um, the star Wars license uh, hostage, if you will, through this 10 year deal, which was an awful mistake for Disney. That's gone. That's DOA. That's no longer a part of the conversation. And you now hear that Ubisoft and Massive Entertainment, makers of the Division One and Two, are making an open-world Star Wars RPG. What, what are your thoughts on that, dude? Man, I think I uh, I sent you guys a message right in, as soon as I saw it. I sent you guys a message on private chat. I said, "I bet you everyone is happy about this, including <laughs> EA. EA is also happy about this deal." Yeah. 
because they're probably getting so much back a uh, backslash backslash backlash man from you know they've had this license for one out eight years right yes eight yeah. years put out four games uh uh you know battlefield one battlefield two battlefield battlefront one battlefront two jedi fallen order and which one was the other one squadrons and squadrons yeah so um yeah i i mean i'm happy that everyone now i think everborn uh touched on this or maybe it was mo that now we have a diverse group of developers all potentially with access to the star wars license right and then you have these other uh, creative, uh, you know, directors and, you know, other studios who've been also, who've also grow, grown up, you know, watching Star Wars and following these stories and seeing the potential that maybe, uh, you know, or seeing the potential where this, uh, a game can, can go, a, a game can lead them to now they get they potentially have a shot because you know they're not tied down to you know exclusivity deals with just for the star wars license to a single developer and it's it's good for for star wars you know it's good for you know um for everyone it's a win-win i i can't see anyone losing out on this deal um ea uh didn't do you know enough with this license i mean jedi fallen order i love that game i thought it was uh, I, I thought it was a really good game um there was issues uh, obviously on the older hardware but i played it on my one x and besides a couple of frame rates issues here i thought it was fine i had a good time with it and um story yes give us some new stories bring us a a, a different um a different take on the star on the star wars world you know it's such a i think it was everborn that touched on this as well it's such a massive world but sometimes it feels so small because you guys are literally uh, making it all about uh, a single you know a single family or something like that so expand that world show us you know uh different different takes different worlds it's it's the potential is there now i will say this you know um i love the division one the end the division two i played the hell out of them for like a week or two and then you fell off you know what i mean that was um that was my problem with it and ubisoft also has an issue of carrying that same blueprint across all of their games which i hope that they don't do uh, to an extent right a, a very uh, open world star wars game would be amazing if done correctly you know um i just feel that that blueprint that they've carried throughout all of their games um i'm not i don't want to feel like i'm just playing just a ubisoft game or a star wars game in a in a ubisoft blueprint you know what i mean i hope they do something a little bit more unique something a little bit more different um you see that um uh respawn did that with jedi fallen order they did a uh, semi open world you know they they took bits and pieces from different uh genres and also included a little bit of their own treatment right they you know like the wall running you can tell that was very you know Titanfallish, you know so um i'm excited for it it's very promising and i believe that this game you know if they already announced this maybe we'll get this game right at 2023 maybe they're you know secretly working already on this game and they'll release well they've been on the game they've been on they've been on pre-production for over a oh, year. they have been over yeah. A year. oh yeah so yeah so it'll be great as soon as 
you know, we have potentially we can have, see this game sooner than later. But yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited for the Star Wars license. I'm excited for Star Wars fans. You know, there we have the potential here to tell some amazing stories through games. And I hope we get one of those with Massive. Yeah, and I, and I think we're going to, no doubt about it. I know there are a couple of people in the chat that I've never seen here before, but I want to say welcome with open arms. And they're asking about, did we talk about the Microsoft acquisitions? That is the next topic after the Star Wars topic. We are going to be able to get to that one. So let's get to Forte. Now, Forte, uh, he's another huge fan of Star Wars. I think he has 78 different lightsabers. Oh, not that uh, many. No, I'm, 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 I'm exaggerating. But you do have a lot of – you do have – uh, quite 75. a few. You are a few. You, you, you let, let, let's just say that you are definitely one of the bigger fans. Uh, you have talked openly about how you enjoyed Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, I think that the conversation of EA having this license lockdown has been one of annoyance in your talks before. What yeah. are your personal thoughts of the shackles, like uh, like Everborn said, being now removed from the Star Wars IP, and now we're going to get to see other development houses with really incredible talent get a shot at telling their canon Star Wars tale? Yeah, I, I'm very excited. I think the... I think this was more about output than it was just taking it away from EA because I think EA is one of those studio, one of those publishers that had a lot of studios that they could fall back to make games and they closed a few of them. And the thing is, they wanted to have a Star Wars game pretty much every year. This is basically going to be their way of saying there's always something going on in Star Wars in video games because we're just going to spread it across all of these different developers, which is the first thing they should have did the first time around. Um, now we can finally get those, uh, like we were talking uh, uh, probably like early last year, boom, when we first started this show or year before last, we were talking about, you know, what if we got a naughty dog type, you know, Star Wars game? Yep. And we was like, yo, what 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 would that be like? You know, and now yep. that is a possibility. So I'm very excited. Massive, I think, was a great choice um, if you're going to do it under um, Ubisoft because they do have the pedigree of building, at least building an open world style game. Now, <laughs> when it comes to the whole, do I want it to be... Uh, online massive looter or anything like that i oh man so i don't know if i want that i mean i'll take it if that's what it happens to be because i know they're actually pretty good at it um but overall i kind of want i want a wide open action adventure rpg that i know that i think they can make it does every game doesn't have to be destiny it doesn't have to be division it doesn't have to be those type of games. I understand that's kind of where a lot of uh, people kind of lay their head at. And I mean, I'll share one thing. If you look at this screen that I just put up, it's very, very silly to look at those numbers. But that is time. And I don't need another game like this. And this, is probably, and this is probably me. Now, this is time wasted on Destiny. This is the official website you go to to know how much you have actually played this crap, this, <laughs> this game that Bungie has created in 2015. What, what, what site is that? Time wasted on Destiny. 
Oh, time waste. Oh, that's yes. actually the URL. Okay. Wow. It's the actual URL. <laughs> and if you read that thing that that's I incredible. just covered, it says include time spent on deleted characters. Time spent in orbit or social spaces is not tracked. So the wow. number is actually higher than that because um I have fallen asleep a lot of times in orbit inside of Destiny. But the fact <laughs> that I put 80 hours into a game like that for my sanity, and like I said, this is just me. I don't need another game like that. I don't. But if it's Star Wars, it would be it would be such a great thing. I, as much as I hate, I would hate to say that it would be the bane of my existence and another generation would go into the hole because all I would do is play that game. I would love to have it. I just don't need it. But they this is an opportunity that they have in front of them you know star wars has made a huge comeback in the last year because of dave filoni and what they have done with the mandalorian they got yep. the they're they're opening up the vote they're pretty much and this is the thing everything is canon anything that we get from these studios gets written as part of the lore of star right. wars yes. everything back from jedi fallen order with kestis i mean when's the last time you ever thought you were here an ea game be spoken of as part of canon when it comes to everything that's going on in the star wars universe so this just opens up the this honestly puts pressure on developers because yo we gotta bring our a game because not, it's not going to just be, you know, people looking at it in a gaming sphere. People in pop culture are going to be talking about this type of stuff. Like, yo, how did this character become? Well, you need to go play the game to find out. You know, people still to this day don't know how General Grievous got his cough. Well, if you didn't watch Cold Wars, you kind of missed out. That's how he got his cough in episode three. You know, if you missed it, go check it out. You'll find out exactly how it happened. But this is this is another great uh, move by disney i have been very critical of how they treated star wars over the course of the last three movies mm -hmm. and i'll give them credit where credit is due open this is opening this up to as many developers as they can and this just being the first of many that we talked about especially with what's going on with the next topic we're going to talk about that you know that bethesda is going to be working on i think they're finally coming around to the point that we want to give gamers what they want. And when it comes to a Star Wars game, I think this is like the next best thing. All I hope is that Massa takes care of it just like they do their own IPs because this is something sacred that everybody doesn't get a chance to work on. And I'm super excited to see what they come up with when they finally do release it. Yep. And I, and I agree. And I, and I honestly, right there with you, I, I cannot wait to see what they bring to the table. Let's bring in the other Star Wars nut, if you will, of the of the panel. Mag, let's go to you. Yes, you sir. you are a big Star Wars fan. The biggest. Uh, and, and well, <laughs> listen, there's no doubt about it. You you appreciate what the, what they have done and what they haven't done in the last couple of years. Uh, and obviously, when you talk about Star Wars now, right now, currently, uh, Dave Filoni. Uh, comes to mind. Obviously, the Filoni verse we're going to be getting. John Favreau, those two men. I was, I was just about to say John Favreau. Yeah, those those two guy. men, without a doubt, saved Star Wars. There's just no doubt about it. Uh, and again, whether you like Kath Kathleen Kennedy or not, you know sh she just wasn't it, if you will. And I like these two gentlemen in charge making Star Wars, making uh, quote unquote Star Wars great again. For you, hearing that EA no longer 
is control has control of of the of the destiny if you will of star wars and now we're going to start seeing and again this is not the the only announcement massive is not going to be the last it was just the first mm-hmm. how excited are you to be a star wars fan but more importantly a star wars fan who has who, who has a love for gaming well you know the thing is um i'm i'm actually really excited for ubisoft to take a crack at it and the reason why is because i'm a huge ubisoft fan Yes, and I was a big, yeah. I, I love all their games. Um, the only ones that I'm a little bit on the fence with are the Ghost Recon games, the new, the two newer ones. Um, I'm gonna go with yes. Maul on that one. Say the older ones, the more military style ones with with a streamlined story and everything mm-hmm. else. I thought those were much much better. However, back to the subject at hand here. Um, Star Wars is something that's very special for me, just like it was for you, Boom. I mean, it, we were in the 70s. Uh, I got to see Empire Strikes Back in the movie theater. You know, this is like you know 25 years, 30 years before half the chat was even born. Right. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean. So we were we were there from the beginning. So now the thing is, I want to tackle uh, tackle this from uh, many angles here. The one angle I want to take first is that uh, Mo said it earlier: the story, and that struck a chord with me. And the reason why it struck a chord with me is because one thing that is central in Star Wars, and this is the point that a lot of people, especially casual people, miss about Star Wars. It's not about the pew pews. It's not about the blowing up and all this other stuff and things exploding and spaceships flying around. It's not. It's the story. The heart of Star Wars has always been about the story. All the lightsabers and all the other stuff. Yeah, that's great. It's cool. It's awesome. But nothing gives you goosebumps than when you see the moments where, you know, Luke finally snaps at the end of Return of the Jedi and starts attacking Vader and the music swells and he's taking his father down and all this other stuff. Like those are, you know what I mean? It's all about the story. So the thing is, the only thing that concerns me a little bit, and I love Division 1, I love Division 2. However, there's there's stories, even the first one, they were pretty lackluster, or they at least they were fairly light on the story. I know the second one, they tried to ramp it up a little bit more with uh, some more cutscenes and things like that. Okay, that's fine. But you know what the object of that game is. The object of the game is not really the story. It's level up your stuff, level up your gear, get better gear, back, uh, you know, get better weapons, get better armor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they're going to have to weave a tail in between all this. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they're going to have to juggle the fact that they cannot use legacy characters. And, I, and I'm not saying they can't. I'm saying that they shouldn't. That, maybe I should rephrase that. They shouldn't use legacy characters because it's going to become too distracting. I hope it's a whole new part of the galaxy. That's, that's yeah. what I'm saying. So maybe you see how the Mandalorian tackled many different aliens that we have seen in other in other movies, in the actual Star Wars, like in the Skywalker saga, for example, uh, in uh, season two of Mandalorian, how many times did they run into all these alien species that you saw for half a second mm-hmm. in episode four in the cantina when the camera swung? Yes. And you're like, hey, isn't that the octopus guy from episode <laughs> <Yeah>. four? <laughs> I never said yeah. a word. Hey, right? can, I, can I add something about the Mandalorian? Five yes. seconds, I promise. So... As much as I love that season finale, I almost wish for the same reason that they didn't do do what they did. It was amazing. I loved it. I jumped out of my seat, but I'm like, I felt like we were going in this whole new direction. Right. And then they they pulled you right back back. in to the Skywalker saga. And I'm like, at the end of the day, I get you. I get you. But at the end of the day, and this is going to tie into the Ubisoft game here, is that at some point, you will have to cross paths with the Skywalkers. Why? Because Luke's father was second in charge of the entire galaxy. So, of right. course, everybody knew who a Skywalker was at some point. 
And the Emperor was right there. And the Emperor is tied into Skywalker. Skywalker was essentially the uh, one of a handful of Jedi that took down the entire Empire. So I, I see how like the Skywalker story would absolutely touch every single person in the galaxy, right? But do I, we have to meet them? We don't have to. No, we don't have to. But their influence can be there. Or maybe just even in thought or a passing word or something. That's fine. But yes, this game needs to go off the beaten path, just like how The Mandalorian started with season one. And it was just doing side things with an homage or tips to the cap to the Star Wars universe. That's the way that you treat it. And at the same time, it does not become distracting like the Avengers. And that's another <laughs> thing I want to bring up. Whoa. Oh, the Avengers yeah. game. I'm talking about the oh, game. Okay. Right. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> chill out for a second here. Chat, Uh-oh. relax yourselves. I'm talking about the Avengers game. What was it, like six days? Okay, and then all of a sudden it dropped like 90%. Uh, you know, the player the player drop-off was like 91% or something. I'm just exaggerating six days. It was it was significant. It was oh, very it quick, very fast, but why? There were so many reasons. But this is a trapping that could happen if you mishandle the game. So you could have an Avengers on your hand, and I think that Ubisoft knows this, and they have to be very careful not to fall into those trappings because all of a sudden you'll be like, all right, people are going to play for Star Wars, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, a week later, they're, they're bored to death. Mm-hmm. They spent 80 bucks on the game, and then they're going to be uh, upset that they did, and then they're not going to go back to it, and then there's going to be no player engagement. They have right. to be careful of that. They have to juggle you know, the, the microtransaction situation, even though it's not really, you know, in uh, in fashion right now to bitch about it, but it's still there. So it could rear its, you know, just like bad fashion, it could still come back after a few years, right? So you never know. It might it might come back again. So you've got to be careful. So they've got to juggle a lot of things. Now, back to the Avengers thing, people say, oh, well, you know, uh, you know, Ubisoft's a, a good developer. So is Square Enix. And Edo, well, not Square Enix, but Edo's, Edo's Montreal, they're a great developer. They made... Ugh. Tomb Raider series. I love that new trilogy. They're good developers. And and the Avengers game had a good presentation. However, they did not execute the gameplay. You know what I mean? Like the the actual game itself. So they have to be careful with the Star Wars franchise. And But, you know, Forte said it. Let's say they launched 10 Star Wars games and only two hit. I think that was Forte who said it. Or maybe Everborn. So whoever said it, it, it just, you know, but the thing is, if you're spending 80 bucks on it, or you're taking a chance to purchase it, I'm not happy with a 20% yield. I would mm-hmm. I would rather have them work on 10 Star Wars games, and if eight of them are not good, don't release them and have the two that are good to release. That's where what happens if you spread your wings far too wide, you might get more shovelware than you're expecting because you kind of lose your grip. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think this is going to be a, a situation where they're giving it to every Tom, Dick, and Harry. I, I yeah. think that they, they're going to be very protective over the brand i think that you're going to see that where i mean again if if someone told you that rockstar was doing a star wars game you would shit your pants if yeah, someone told you that oh, obsidian yeah, yeah. got a hold of, of of a star wars license and they were going to have a microsoft exclusive and it was just going to be added people would go crazy if you heard naughty dog 
right, was getting the Star Wars license and, and it was going to be an over the over the shoulder yeah, action. We, we would go crazy. I, I mm -hmm. just don't think you're going to get, uh, you know, a, a Sally and Sim uh, down the block uh, indie developer to grab the Star Wars license and put out Lollipop Star Wars. <laughs> I, I just I don't no, think that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm just saying these are just warnings in my head, just saying, like, be careful. I mean, I know there's much smarter people and much richer people making these decisions, you know, but I'm saying they need to, you know, keep a firm grasp on what's going on and have a little bit, um, you know, have a little bit more say in the creative control as to what's I happening. Agree. Yeah. You know, I and, and, that's, and balance. that's it. I balance. That's, yeah. I think that's the one thing about Star Wars, though. The one thing I will give them credit for is they have complete oversight when it comes to everything that happens oh, yeah. with Star Wars. Well, because they can't yeah. have to match. Special yeah. story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. especially because they don't even let developers write this. Like, they're they're keyed in on a story of what the story's going to be. Like, they'll let them have input into the story. But Disney, their writers go into those studios and help write these stories. Oh, yeah. Because that's the whole reason why they end up being canon. Because they Disney right. wants to have a hand in the development of those stories. So I don't think the stories themselves will be a problem. It just really comes back to the gameplay. And for God's sake, don't let the Wookiees be anorexic. That's the only problem I got. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only problem I had with Jennifer. Uh, we had anorexic Wookiees walking around out here. One other, one other thing, uh, Boom, I, I, and I hate to be this guy, right? Because uh -oh. I don't want to defend uh, Kathleen Kennedy, right? However, no, I think don't. if we, I think if we have to get, like, I hated The Last Jedi more than I thought I would ever hate any movie. And then I hated uh, Rise of Skywalker even more than that. And I didn't know that was possible. Right. So that. <laughs> Well, right. wait, wait, before you before you go any further, did you hate Rise of Skywalker more because of what happened in Last Jedi? Yes, because, because, because I was, basically I was on that board. you hated Rise of Skywalker. For, you hated the seventh one, the sixth one, the eighth one so bad that it just made the, the ninth one or whatever number it was even terrible. Well, listen, guys, I, well, I, 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 I don't want to turn it into movie talk. But I, just, yeah, I, yeah, I, no, I, I definitely don't want to bring this to movie. Nice, terrible. If, and, and I think this, I think that if we're going to give all the all the 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 bad uh, juju towards Kathleen Kennedy for those atrocious episodes eight and nine. We have to also give her the credit for allowing Dave Filoni and John Favreau to do their thing in The Mandalorian. Because at the end of the day, she's a producer, and she has her job is to put the right people in the right creative positions to make these things that we love. So she did that in episode seven. I think she did it in Rogue One. She fucked up in, in episodes eight and nine, but you got to give credit where credit is due because her job is only to put the right creative people in place. And she did that for the Mandalorian, and it seems like it's in the right place going forward. That's it. That's all, all I right. wanted to say. Well, listen, oh, first of all, this is, the, again, I think I think Star Wars is a topic that we could all talk about for hours, but I do want to get to the next one. Before I do, I want to thank Stamp1646 for the outstanding super sticker of $5. Thank you for the generosity, and of course, thank you for being here. But this next topic is a, a big one, I think, and I think a lot of people are clamoring for it. We do have new information from a Microsoft insider that hints more acquisitions in 2021 
and based on public conversations that both head of head of Xbox, uh, Phil Spencer, and head of Microsoft, Satya Nadala, had after the acquisition of Zenimax and Bethesda, we do know that other acquisitions are not possible. We that 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 is not that's an afterthought at this point. They are coming. That is confirmed. The question is when. And who now, as we've talked about on the Xbox Factor many, many times, and on this very show in the past, the running rumor discussed by numerous Xbox insiders, and one of which that I have a personal connection with, have said that Phil Spencer wants at least 30 first party developers to be a part of Xbox Game Studios before they are done acquiring talent to make certain that the Xbox is the best place to play. Now, while this doesn't necessarily mean that Microsoft is purchasing even more development studios, it does suggest that they could be adding talent to XGS and in the form of both small and big developers. Now, some of the ones that jump off the page for me personally are Asobo Studios, who have made uh, A Plague's Tale... Uh, they also are uh, they're going to be doing for the next 10 years, um, of course, Flight Simulator, which is launched to great success. Uh, and that's coming to the Xbox platform, the home console version in the summer. You have Techland that's still on the on the potential buying block. Bloober Team, which is releasing the medium on the 28th of this month. People can fly. And of course. This is always a possibility and has not been in the conversation for a while is Remedy, um, all of which who are currently making games or have in the past made games for exclusively uh, for the Xbox brand. Now, Brad Sams, who has oh, oh, nearly a decade of writing and publishing experience under his belt and currently writes for therot.com had this to say on his official Twitter account regarding the subject matter of Microsoft buying more studios. He says there he says this. There are a lot of there is a lot of money flowing around gaming companies right now. Several getting multiple bids. Not sure when or if any of these will close, but gaming IP valuations are starting to soar. Okay, so Mo, look if there's one thing we we know, Microsoft has, or at least Phil Spencer had put into plan when he was promoted in late 2017, that he knew and he needed to fix the first party problem at Microsoft. There was one then, there is no longer now. 23 studios in total, including the Bethesda deal, which will be signed in at the end of February for a total of 35 plus teams making games for the next generation consoles. For you, with Brad Sams going out there and publicly saying that he not only has good information that these, these acquisitions are coming, they could be coming sooner. And a lot of these companies are starting to get bids, not from Sony. Not from Nintendo. They're getting bids from Amazon and Apple and Google and, of course, Microsoft. And Microsoft, with Game Pass being their biggest ticket for next generation and probably the next 10 years, wants to add these big studios to produce games for this service. For you, how likely 
is it in 2021 do we see Microsoft buy new talent? I don't think they're going to get any new talent in 2021. I think they're going to basically wait out and see what's going to happen right now with uh, the, to the current studios that they have. I think the, you know, because remember there's, I think there's a lot of things Microsoft wants to discuss with the current studios that they have, that they haven't mentioned yet. There's still maybe like six studios that we still don't know. At, well, I'm not six. I uh, actually, you could take out the initiative since we know now that they're working on perfect dark, but they still have a few studios. We don't know what they're working on. And right. on top of that, I think they're going to have some official projects with the Bethesda studios or the ZeniMax studios. And I don't think they're going to be legally obligated to say anything until the acquisition is completely done in May. So I think there's going to be a lot of things that are going to come uh, into fruition from their studios because a lot of people and what I, and me personally, I do feel that as well, uh, that way as well is the acquisitions have been fantastic so far because it really shows you how serious they are about taking that next step. Right. Uh, they they want to they're bringing on so much talent and they're bringing in so many studios because they want to increase their library they want to make their library even more vast and they want to add more flavor into their library whether it's third person first person rpg sports racers whatever it may be and this is a good way for them to keep them all under the same umbrella and onto the, and on the same ecosystem but at the same time i think there also has to be a point where we kind of start getting over like how long ago was the uh, was the Ninja Theory acquisition? A couple of years. Oh, that was twenty eighteen. E three twenty eighteen. Yeah. E three twenty. Yeah. So it's so. Let's just say right now we're in twenty twenty one. So we're approaching the three year mark. We haven't really seen anything from Ninja Theory outside of a Hellblade trailer and a uh, the the side project that they have, Project Mara, which was uh, which they actually released another little mini uh, update on it today. So I think this year they're going to have to. I think they know that this year they're going to have to basically take the cover off of some of the projects that we've been waiting for, uh, or at least just give more updates as to what it is that they've been working on. I think it's nice to keep adding studios and whatnot, but uh, at the same time, uh, there are also people who would like to see what your current 23 studios, which is incredible, right? What do they have right now? You know, we're yeah. all happy. Everybody's ecstatic about all of the moves that they made and, 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 and every, and, all the possibilities that they're going to come with, but at the same time, we also want to see what it is that's uh, what it is that they're working on. Is it too early? Maybe, you know, maybe we'll get lucky this year and we'll actually have some type of development update from some of the other studios that they have. Uh, but for a Sobo, for instance, uh, after a Plague Tale and um, and a Flight Simulator, I think yeah, I, it would make sense, you mm -hmm. know, to acquire them. Remedy, I'm not so sure. Because despite how good Remedy is and how cozy of a relationship they have with Microsoft, I think if Microsoft wanted to buy Remedy, they would have either bought them after Alan Wake or Quantum Break. And they haven't. Yeah. And there's a reason why they haven't, right? Who knows? Maybe it's definitely not financial because we know that their, 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 their pockets are endless. It could possibly be creative differences. It could be Sam. We don't know, right? It could be Sam Lake just saying like, hey, I don't want anybody coming in here and telling me how I'm going to write my stories, blah, blah, blah. Or just because of the fact that Remedy is just one of those studios that always puts out new IPs, but they're never supported. This is the one shitty thing that I fucking hate about the gaming community with studios like Remedy because they always try to come out with new ips and they do come out with new ips and everybody's always talking about originality original stories original whatever it may be and anytime remedy does something good they're not really rewarded for it i don't know what it is because their games are generally well received 
So I think from a financial perspective, maybe that's why. Remember, there was also rumors that Sony was going to buy Remedy after yes. they got cozy with Control, and they didn't. They backed off. Why? Who knows? So I like the fact that they're going to keep expanding, and I think they will. I think they will. I think after this year and after they show a lot of after they take the cover off some of the other projects that are in store. And then on top of that, let's not lie to each other. No matter what they do, at the end of the day, Halo Infinite is their golden egg this year. Yes, right? everything, 100%. Yeah. Everything is leading up to Halo Infinite because as successful as they've been right now with the release of the new, uh, with, the, uh, with the new consoles and all the goodwill that they've had, that really is going to be, this is what everything, this is what everybody, what most Xbox fans, I would assume, are waiting for at the end of the year you know i think with halo infinite coming out i think that's that also opens up the doors once like that the sweat is is wiped off the brow uh in a sense i think that's going to usher in more uh of these acquisitions uh that, that you're speaking of but i think this year they're definitely going to double down at least on what it is that they have in store for now but i, I, I that's just what i think i mean i i don't know I mean, listen, you, you bring up a lot of points. Uh, there's, there's no doubt. I don't think we're going to get any uh, acquisition talk until this one deal that they're working on is done. When the ink is dry, then I think we're going to start seeing. Uh, and again, you don't know behind the scenes that there could have been handshake deals made and they're just not willing and ready to talk about these deals. Uh, and you know, like you said, a Sobo, I think, is a, is a no brainer, to be honest with you. Uh, and again, I don't know if Remedy would be it, it would want to join, but. We've also heard that Bungie was in talks to join XGS, and that somehow really got quiet. So we don't know if that's something that they're going to be you know, doing again, or they're going to remain independent. I don't know. But all I know is that with when you heard Phil Spencer, and everyone, I want to bring you into conversation on this. When you heard Phil Spencer, and some people consider taking a shot. I don't. They asked him a question, and he responded, I think, in kind. When he said that we look at... Um, uh, Nintendo and PlayStation as not being a threat to us, uh, not our competitor currently. It's Apple, it's Amazon, right? It's it's Google. It's it, it, you know it, it's 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 people like Tencent. It's it, it's uh, companies like Tencent that are buying up everything. Microsoft's mm -hmm. plan to keep Xbox Game Pass, the greatest thing since sliced bread, needs content. And sure. obviously, we do. We did hear last week that Jez Corden reported that Microsoft has made offers to every third-party developer, every third-party developer, and now we're hearing more, more rumor talk about them acquiring more studios to do what? To bring games to Xbox Game Pass. For you, sure. how likely do you think it is Microsoft will add additional studios? to the growing list of 23 developers. Oh, his mic is uh, muted. Oh. oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm back. No, Sorry. Okay. So a few things. I just want to touch on uh, Mo's point about Remedy really quick, and then I'll, we'll, we'll, I'll, we'll get to that. So I do think Remedy would be a very good fit for Microsoft's current model with Game Pass, because I think that these games don't get support. Like we don't support them because we don't buy those games, but them being in Game Pass day one changes that entire conversation, right? They can put out third person, over the shoulder, 
uh, narrative story driven games like nobody's business and they've been doing it for years. And that is, with all their acquisitions, Microsoft is still light on those third person. Yes, uh, absolutely. I, you know, I love it that that they they have the possibility to be the king of Western RPGs and the king of shooters. But it's until and and this sucks because we as a community seem to only acknowledge these these third person story driven single player games as what we consider. Triple A bangers. We don't we don't look at any other thing. It's like unless you're making a Sony kind of game, then you're not making a triple A game. But I'm I don't want to go on that tangent. My point is I think Remedy does fill that hole, and I think they would be a good fit at Microsoft for what they do. The relationship is good, they have a track record of putting out uh you know, original IPs and creating them and moving them forward. And I think Game Pass will be the thing that gets them the adoption that they need and engagement that they need. So that's the, the thing for Remedy. Now, for this year, I think if they acquire anyone, it will be a smaller studio. You're not going to hear about a Capcom acquisition or a Bungie acquisition or anything like that. Maybe you'll hear about something like... Uh, you know, uh, an Asobo or, 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 or something like that. But I think right now is the time for Microsoft to say, hey, you 23 motherfuckers, we need you to release some games. Yes, yeah. Product, At some point, like, I love the acquisition talk and my pick is Capcom. And I don't think that happens this year. Whew. Not saying I think it's going to happen. I'm saying yeah. that is the best fit. Oh, I, yeah. the, the the young gamer in me whose first console was the Sega Genesis wants it to be uh, Sega, but I don't think that makes good financial sense. Sega as a business is so diversified. I don't know that Microsoft wants to be in all those other businesses that Sega's in. And how many actual development studios does Sega have? They have and a lot of IPs, yeah. but who remembers those IPs except us old men? Yeah, right. Right. They, they, none of their any one of their IPs would have to be basically worked on from the ground up, and you'll just get a little bit of buzz because, like, oh, hey, they're doing Alter Beast. What's Alter Beast? Right. No one's gonna remember that, and I don't think it will be worth whatever <laughs> they have to pay. Yeah. No, I think if anybody sells you, if they want Sega, it's mostly because they want Atlas. Right, but yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. is is Atlas worth what they're gonna have to pay to get Sega? Gosh, Atlas is a big one. Atlas is big, man. That's a I, big one. Like if you Atlas if you get man. Atlas, you pretty much take away the JRPG crown. JRPG <laughs> away from PlayStation at that point. Okay, yeah. but let me ask you a question: Do you take Sega over Capcom? No, no, no. absolutely no, not, so. dude. <laughs> <laughs> right, like I, 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 my point is, I don't I, for what they would have to pay, I don't think it's worth it for Sega. But that's neither here nor there. I think w right now the focus needs to be on quality control and delivery. Yes, right? I like the way you guys. Are this talking. is yeah. where we need to be at. Forget about. I, I love the talk, but forget about all these new acquisitions. We need something. That's we, what I was saying. We yeah. need mm -hmm. to see. A, we need to see the fruits of all of this labor because at, at some point, like we're all fans, we all love it, we're all family here, we love it. But at some point, we yeah. gotta say, okay, 
when are you putting something out? Yeah. When, when are you, I, I don't want, it's like, psych, you could tell me Psychonauts, that's, that's not what we're talking, like, that's going to be a great game, but it's still cross-platform, right? You you showed Hellblade. We don't even know what Hellblade will look like when you play it. That's a fact. Like, I, like you showed a still of Project Mara. I don't know what that game is, right? What is um, um, the, the, the rare game? What's the oh, name? Everwild. Everwild. What, is, what is that game? We don't know yet. They don't even know what it is. We, they, they don't even know what it is. So, so the point is, before we get high on what I want it to be, Capcom, right? But before we get high on whatever other studios there are, how about uh, Phil? You got to start knocking on some doors yeah. and say, "Hey, you guys need to put something out. You need to show something. We have Game Pass. You can release mm -hmm. demos. They just sold us a nine dollar demo with." Um, um, uh, right uh, internet, that yeah. hot garbage like they could they have to start showing us stuff i'm sorry to, to say it like we're, we're at that we're at that point and 2021 they showed us 30 games um and i'm excited and i'm gonna play a lot of those especially since most if not all of them will be on game pass mm -hmm. but and halo is the big hitter but like i hear all of this studio talk and I'm not hearing when are you guys going to release a game. And, and, and that's the thing that's bothering me. I think people are really underselling the Zenimax acquisition, too. That is fucking massive. You know, oh, like, I mean, yeah, a lot yeah. people yeah. are really hungry for acquisitions. And I'm like, do you guys understand what they just acquired or what they're what they're about to finalize? This is huge. Yeah. So many IPs and so many franchises. That's why I was saying, which is what you and I were both pretty much saying the same thing is let's see yeah. that. There's yeah. a lot coming. And, and, and let's coming. Get, that's a lot. Let's get yeah. through that. Just yeah. imagine the next Doom being exclusive. That's that's big enough, right? Yeah. No, yes. I, I, I agree. No, <laughs> I, I, th I think you guys are onto something. And I and I and I really do like the angle of as exciting and fun as it is as podcasters and gamers to say, yeah, Microsoft just bought Capcom. We have to see <laughs> we, we, we have to see. Uh, the fruits of the labor. I, I agree with that. And one of the uh, one of the games that no one's talking about, that Phil Spencer has talked about, that he has him most excited about, and has me personally most excited for, is Compulsion's game. Compulsion's mm -hmm. game is a third person Bioshock meets Uncharted. Uh, it's, it's a an adventure horror third person game, and and it's supposedly, from what I have heard, absolutely incredible. I think we're going to get some information on that, but I want to get to. Uh, Cybernox on this, but the cyber before I get to your brother, some of these super chats came in and I got to grab them. We have Dead Planet drops a very generous $10 super chat and says, I often wonder if we can decipher what Xbox is up to based on what Sony is doing. For example, Sony and Square Enix are super close. Is this a response to MS buying a big time Japanese studio uh, or other? You know something? I don't necessarily know if their personal moves are with Sony in mind. I think what they're looking to do is make Xbox Game Pass and Project X Cloud relevant in the Japanese region, which has been a notorious failure for them. And right now, both of those services are doing extremely well in both Japan and in Korea, by the way. Uh, and I think that they're going to they're going to see success that they have not seen in a very or if, if ever. Uh, we have uh, JC 
Clara, I think it's Clara Moore. Thank you so much for the $2 super chances. Hey, boom, I hope for another Mecha Salt. Oh, my God. Yes. Mecha Salt, please. Um, not Mech Warrior. Mecha Salt, like the top-down OG Xbox one. We have uh, Gene Mark Lewis with the outstanding $2 super chances. Ninja Gaiden creator. Yes, it Itagaki has been in the news. We're going to be talking about him on Thursday's Xbox Factor podcast. And yes, he does have a new studio that's not Valhalla Studio uh, that he originally created and left and is only on, you know, on the board. He created a new studio and he has said publicly during a Bloomberg interview that he does in fact want to work with Microsoft and would even consider being acquired by Microsoft. And I say, yes, give him a bag of money. Let him go reinvent the wheel with an action that Microsoft's own Ninja Gaiden type of game and let him go crazy. I think he still has talent. And I would love to see what his what his current team could do. Lord Roughness with the outstanding $5 Super Chat says Microsoft can't take their foot off the gas right now. They must keep purchasing studios for Game Pass and be as aggressive as Netflix is and was. Now, that's a great point. But hey, Cyber I, sorry, just I, I just want to touch on that point. Uh Lord Roughness is correct. Because at the end of the day, if this becomes an arms race, and that's what it's going to be, yeah, like they 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 can't, but they're gonna have to walk and chew gum at the same time. I right? agree. You, you, yes, they can't take their foot off the gas. Yes, keep making the conversation you have to have. But from a business standpoint, all these studios know that, and they're probably overvaluing themselves because of these conversations right here. So they could walk into a studio and they're like, I want $6 billion. They're like, well, hold on, Remedy. (laughs) (laughs) Your your market cap right now is only 347, whatever it is, right? (laughs) Billion. So so that's, I think, is is part of the problem, too, is -hmm. is that everybody's looking. So they have to look, but they have to be smart about it. And it has to be a studio that, that is going to be able to deliver what they what they need in game pass. So I think they got to figure out what they have right now and what they need. And at the same time, continue to have those conversations, but let's not think about 2021 acquisitions, have those conversations in the background, but build up what Xbox game studios means actually deliver on the promise and become the king of Western RPGs become the king of shooters. And yeah. then we know, and then you ha- can have studios sharing information and technologies and all those things What when you bring new people into the fold. They have to, that's another big part of it. It's not just buying studios. You have to build the synergy between those studios so that you begin to fire on all cylinders. The things that we are so excited about, those have to come to fruition at some point. No, and you're, you're 100% right. So, so Cyber, let, let's get to your opinion on, on the acquisitions. Do you agree with the panel so far that they need to, uh, you know, they need to, I guess, balance acquisitions versus content coming out. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. We, we, we're going to be talking about this in, in, in uh, some big, big uh, uh, ways tomorrow on the Xbox 101. We're going to break down all 30 games just announced for 2021 and the two potential games coming that are big AAA bombs that uh, Jez Cord knows about and we're not on this list, one of which I think we, 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 we'll talk about that uh, in, in, in in like deep detail tomorrow for you 
does Microsoft need to continue, like this gentleman said, keep the gas, uh, keep the foot on the gas? 100%. I think it's essential for the success of what they're trying to build with Xbox Game Pass. We need to see content after content after content, and it, it needs to be quality, right? And for you to do that, you having control of your own studios is probably the best way for you to manage uh, the quality of the uh, of that content that's supposed to come out there. One thing that um I, I was going to mention, too, that uh, Everborn just touched on is I think getting all these studios together, Microsoft needs to look at uh, something that they don't have, something that they need or what type of uh, not tech or what a studio is good at because now what we're going to have is all these studios collaborating with each other, right? Sharing resources, sharing information. And now and that's just going to lead to better games, better quality. But um, yeah, I, I won't stay on this too much because um, I, I agree with Mo and, and with what Everborn said, this is um, this is a time where they should keep uh, evaluating everything that's out there. If they had the opportunity to buy a studio that will fit uh, their vision going forward and it's something that will contribute to their Xbox game studios, of course, 100 percent do it. Um, I will say how uh, also that uh, when Game Pass was announced, a lot of people were uh, speculating oh what's going to happen people are just going to create their own subscription service and the, and you know all the games that were on xbox game pass is just going to leave and they're going to have to be responsible for the content that uh, you know gets put on on the subscription well look how the tables turned out everyone kind of did do that but microsoft and xbox game pass have been the most successful by far they even had uh, gone to an extent that now other gaming services are joining Xbox Game Pass so they can expand their um their and Ubisoft their is the one that's that's going to be yeah, happening. And we talked year. about Ubisoft. I remember Ubisoft. I I said Ubisoft like last year. I was just yeah, like went through. I was just like Ubisoft might do it too. So. Um, yeah, um, I would love, 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 love to see Capcom because they have such a diverse portfolio. But um, I don't think uh, a Sobo just makes sense, right? Like they a Plague Tale, what a fucking amazing game that was! Like it was such a surprise game for me, and um, I, I played it because it was on Game Pass. I was like, oh, I see a lot of people talk uh, talking about this game. I played it amazing. They, you know, they just proved themselves again with Microsoft Flight Simulator. So it. it they fit right in right so that would be the um the 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 clear choice let's say but yeah keep your foot on the gas and um if they can continue to build their studios the way they are and the potential is there for them to just dominate man going into the you know the next few years so it's exciting to see what's going to happen no, i i absolutely agree uh forte let's get you in on the conversation because you uh, worth, well, you know, we, we have had many conversations in the past about yeah. uh, about Xbox and, and and what they're looking to do. Now, look, there is no doubt that at the cornerstone of this mission that they're on, Game Pass is really the uh, the, the bread and butter for them. 
But in order to make this, quote unquote, the Netflix of gaming, they need content. That's why right. 35 games that have 35 studios are, are all working on new content for the service. But with that said, there are they're also battling, you know, places like Apple, like Google, like Amazon, who want what they have. And Sony, we know, is not doing that. We also know Nintendo is not doing it. That's why those two aren't their competition. And it's not, you know, we're not, we're not throwing shade at those two publishers slash developers. We're just talking reality. For you, do you think we get additional studios added to XGS in 2021? Uh, so, short answer, no. Uh Mostly because I think everybody pretty much hit on it. They want the ink to dry on what they have going on right now. Right. Their financial year um, for Xbox for Microsoft is up on March thirty first, June June thirtieth. So I don't think you're going to see anything before then. And I don't. And then the biggest thing is I think they have until the calendar year of next year before their next financial year to actually start. Because I think you'll hear about it in twenty twenty two. Whatever developer they have that they're eyeing, um, I think you'll hear about that towards the beginning parts of 2022 going into the end of their next financial year. Um, maybe you can get something like a Sobo. Maybe something like that. Uh, I do like, I think the Remedy one is very interesting. It's just, it's kind of hard to, you know, fathom it after the the rocky situation that's been going on between Rimini and everything that's been going on with them and their development, but they are still very, very close with Microsoft and Xbox because, um, and they will fit game pass really well. I think the episodic uh, stuff that they actually could do, um, instead of having to build full games out, they can actually just build it over time and then just release it over time. And they're, they're a very well, um, diverse group that can actually do something like that. Well, I mean, they're, they're currently they're working on Crossfire X in a single yeah. player uh, mm-hmm. campaign, kind of yeah. like Call of Duty. Exactly. Oh, and yeah. That campaign so, looks so good. Yeah, the campaign looks good. Too bad. I don't know why it's not going to be in Game Pass, but okay. Everything else is in Game <laughs> yeah. Pass but that. <laughs> but um, I, no, I would I like to see an acquisition? Yeah, but they need to get... Is that a certain point when you got so many studios and you don't know exactly what is coming up like you know the games that are coming but we haven't seen really anything and the stuff that we have seen we don't even really know what it is you know it's just more of an it's more of a, a hype um feeling right now and i think for a lot of people they're kind of over the hype they just want to know when are we going to play these games and that's why i think elverborn's comment on you know 23 studios let's go got to start putting some stuff out there and um, I think that's going to be the mantra for 2021 for Xbox. Uh, the fact that, you know, the pandemic has slowed everything down drastically. I also think it's going to hurt the fact that they're not going to really talk about acquisitions right now, because at a certain point, you don't want to have like a repeat of what you did with consoles, because let's be for real. It felt like they announced the console. Then they announced another console, and then they announced another console, and it seemed like we got more announcements of consoles before we got games. They don't want to do developers like that, too. 
They don't want to seem like, well, we got all these developers, but what games are we going to get with these developers? I mean, we yeah. we kind of know what we're getting from Bethesda, so that's kind of like offshoot right there. We the Bethesda comes with their own sloth of things that we could just salivate over. The question with them is, and it will always be that until this conversation is uh or this acquisition is done, what is Microsoft gonna do with the IPs once that's mm -hmm. all said and done? Mm -hmm. So that's the number one question there. And I think that's gonna be a huge question once this acquisition goes through. So they'll be busy answering that question throughout the whole year of 2021. Yeah, not then, or not, uh, that's gonna get answered once it's done. I even heard Phil Spencer say uh, publicly that they just legally cannot talk. They about can't it. legally talk about it. Yeah, I yep. think Starfield we'll hear about. I yeah. know we'll hear about that because I do believe that game is way closer than people think. Because they, talk I, I think about it's it. this year, dude. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, it could be this year too. They <laughs> exclusively talk about that game more than anything that Bethesda has out there, and they name drop it every time they talk about Bethesda. So that makes me think that game's close. Everything else, who knows? But it's just it just really just comes down to. Does Microsoft want to excite people with the games that they're going to be releasing over the course of the next two to three years or acquisitions that they can get over the next two to three years? Because let me be for real. If you excite people with the games and you start releasing those on a more cadent, um, on a, uh, a big, um, a more annual basis, people will get excited for that. And then when you bring in these developers that people know and love, then they start thinking like, yo, this game with this game, because right now everybody just thinks of a bunch of studios. And we don't why do. can't they do both? They can't the do both and the studios, you know what they I mean? But well, they did do both already. Now they need to start pushing the games out. And yeah. until we start getting games in our system from one of these 23 studios, which I do think Starfield might be the first one this year, this might be a mute point after that point. But I do think we need to hear about more games before we hear about more acquisitions. I you know. I think everyone's really – I think that that is a great point that everyone is making because people do want to see the games for sure. Let's, let's bring in uh, Mag on the final point of this incredible episode, which has surpassed two hours. Mag, listen, <laughs> there, there's no rush to finish your point. We know that you have a lot of big – things to say for you personally mm -hmm. hearing everyone that wants the games from the 23 studios that they currently have and hearing the chat talk about how they cannot take the foot off the gas where do you go do you sprinkle in both do you do you do you get an acquisition this year like in a sobo or people can fly and you keep it to a smaller one and then maybe in 2022 you blow the world up by getting capcom well, I got first. First things first. Uh, let the ink dry on the Bethesda deal. Okay. And then we move forward from there. Let's let's start looking at maybe fall twenty twenty one before they start doing anything else. Now, I agree with absolutely everybody on what they said about uh, that. You know, the 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 studios that they already have have to start pumping out games at some point, and they got to. You know, you've got twenty three studios, thirty five different dev teams. Is it uh, or thirty five? Yeah, thirty five plus teams making oh. games. Right. Okay. So there's a lot. Okay, there's a lot churning in the pot right now. Okay, they got a lot of stuff going. However, we're not seeing a whole lot of it, and I get it. But what they need to do, this is what they need to do. They need to do more things like Bethesda. I'm not looking at a Sobo. I mean, I think those that's a great studio. Okay, and even Bloober team and all of them, they're great. 
but they're not going to fill the game pass gap. Okay. So what I mean by that is that it's very much like Netflix <clears throat> straight, like people tune into Netflix once or twice a year for those big, huge, what I like to call the Netflix bangers, right? Like your Witcher, like your stranger things. Okay. I just use those two as an example. Now, in between all that, of course, they're releasing other content here and there, but it's not as popular, let's say. Okay, they'll release some, I don't know, some Ryan Reynolds action movie and nobody really cares about, but it's there and people will watch it. But what else is it filled with? Back catalog films. For example, I can go on there right now and they got the Indiana Jones quadrilogy on there, right? I can watch Indiana Jones. I could go watch uh, uh, Back to the Future. I'm like, those are great movies. I'll go back and watch those. And then before you know it, the Stranger Things season four comes out or whatever, right? Whatever you're waiting for. This is what Microsoft needs to do with their studios. When Bethesda's ink, when the uh, the ink dries on the Bethesda deal, you take the Bethesda truck, you back it up, and you <laughs> dump that whole back catalog into Game Pass. And what is that doing for old fans? It's giving us a nice shot of that nostalgia. Going, holy crap! Look at all the games because you know Bethesda, uh, the, the the amount of games that they've released is staggering. So. You're going to bolster Game Pass. You're going to get old players playing those games again or even checking out games they never got a chance to play, right? That. Then you get new games, uh, Game Pass subscribers or even younger gamers who never got to play some of those other games, okay? They get a chance to get into those things, whet their appetite a little bit. While that's going on and people are somewhat distracted, that's when you drop a new game, you know, eight months from now or whatever else. It buys you time. That's what I'm trying to say. By dropping in a back catalog of games, their old back catalog of games, it buys you time while the studios are releasing new products. It may not be the most popular thing to do, but that is the corporate thing to do. And that's what they need to do. So, for example, I'm eyeballing people like Capcom. I know Sega is a little bit more complicated. And, of course, it's a little bit more obsolete in terms of some of those older uh, IPs that you know nobody knows about. Some 18-year-old kid doesn't know what Altered Beast is. But you know what I mean? So, they, they, But they have to look at people like Capcom because Capcom has a huge catalog of games. They have a huge library of games. Those games, can you imagine if you get them and what do you do? Capcom starts working on new IPs from Microsoft going to take at least another two, three years down the road. Well, then you start releasing all the Resident Evils on Game Pass. All of them. The Dino Crisis, the whatevers. The, you know what I'm saying? The yeah, only Street Mushas, Fighters. The Street Fighters, the Onimushas, the whatever. That is enough of a distraction and a filler for Game Pass, not in a negative way filler, but a filler for Game Pass to keep the product moving, to keep the machine rolling. Yeah. That's what you got to do. So it has to be, just like you said, boom, a balance of both. By getting a team like a Sobo, it's wonderful. But as far as I can see, they got two games. That You know what that's going to do? Great. You put those two games in the Game Pass, and now you're still waiting two, three years for that studio to make another game. So guess what? Mm -hmm. Now you got the gap again. You see what I'm saying? So that's why the Bethesda deals are the only deals they need to do moving forward. And I believe Satya Nadella himself, if you actually pick apart his words a few months, two months ago, three months ago, he's hinting at exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, he sure is. Yep. Why bother build from the ground up when I could just buy it? Because right. he's got the FU money. Mm -hmm. Okay? <laughs> he's got that money where he could make it rain and be like, take off your clothes and dance with this pineapple. Like He can make you do whatever you want. He can make I you do the it. most absurd thing you want because he's got the fu money, so yeah. he can go out and he said it. Why bother building from the ground up when I could just buy it? 
That's what he's eyeballing. So the, I think he's doing the thinking the same thing. You buy your Capcom, for example, they work on something. It's going to be three years off, but at the same time, dump the the whole catalog in. Not maybe not at once. Maybe do it like once every two months. You know, dump in all the Resident Evils. Then three months later, dump in all of the uh, the Onimushas. You know, six months later, dump in all the Street Fighters. So you're keeping the content flowing. You're keeping people's interest. And then before you know it, Resident Evil Nine is in Game Pass, and boom, there you go. So yeah. that's what I would do. Anyways. I mean, listen, hey, can, it, I, can I just add, like, I think if they did buy Sega and they brought back Golden Axe, it would be all worth it. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, I've been saying that the world needs more uh, side scrolling beat em ups like Aliens versus Predator and Streets of Rage 4, baby. It's on Game yeah. Pass. <laughs> perfect example. Listen, folks, oh, yeah. this has been one hell of a show. We had a stellar panel with two amazing guests with, who had a lot to say, and our, and our regular panel for ptg completely knocked it out of the park before we get to the outros let me thank a couple of people lowered roughness drops an additional very generous five dollars of chat and says soon as the 20 as these 23 studios uh, complete their games there doesn't need to be a three to five year release release dates just throw them in game pass and we'll play them indeed and I, I think that's what they're going to do we have stamps 1646 who becomes a channel member for Double Barrel Gaming, thank you so much for supporting the channel. We definitely appreciate it. And we have Dead Planet dropping an additional and very generous $5 super chat. says, Phil, obviously, had a plan for 2021 before Halo got pushed. You can't tell me all they had planned was the medium and maybe a Forza game. Got to be more. Oh, he said it. He's very excited about 2021. And uh, it's going to be a big year for Xbox gamers. It's going to be a big... Uh, Big year for the industry, and it's going to be an even bigger year if you are a Game Pass subscriber. But let's get to the outros. I'm going to start with Dr. Mo. Why don't you tell everyone about your outstanding podcast, where people can check it out, and more importantly, hit you up for a conversation on social media. Absolutely, man. First, I want to thank you for bringing me on the show, man. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. Uh, conversation was great. It was a pleasure meeting all of you guys. I love level-headed conversation with level-headed people. It's it's why we do what we do here, and it's uh, it's been a privilege, honestly. Um, it's great to have you, dude. Great, and you certainly you're getting an, uh, an invite ticket. So once you're on this show, it, you get the golden ticket, brother. And we got to get we got to get your partner on here. We got to get Machine Gun Mike. Yeah, on yeah, definitely. You. We'll get we'll get Mike on here as well. Uh, we have a uh, gaming podcast called uh, The Backlog Chronicles. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and uh, Podbean. It's uh, on Twitter, the Backlog underscore Pod. Um, yeah, we put out a show every week, sometimes pre-recorded, sometimes, uh, we go live just depends on really what we feel like it and how good the news was for the week. But, uh, <laughs> it's not as elaborate as anything boom puts on. I'll tell you that guys that much, but <laughs> we get, a, we get the job done. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks so much for being here, uh, Mo, and we're definitely going to get you back on for sure. And Everborn, why don't we get you on out of here? You have something that I'd like you to share with the class. You have something called the Everborn Saga. I believe that you're going to be launching the uh, Kickstarter very soon, if not already. Tell everyone about what, what you've been up to, and more importantly, where could people reach out to you on social media? Okay, first of all, I want to thank everybody tonight, and especially you, Boom, for inviting me on. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Mo. Thanks, Mag. Thanks, Forte, Cyber, everybody. Uh, shout out to you guys, and shout out to everybody in the chat, and everybody, please hit the like button. Now, 
Everborn uh, Ariel's Adventure. This is our first Kickstarter that we're doing. The 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 uh, preview page for it is up now. We are going to start the campaign on February 28th, but I want to try to get at least 100 people watching it so that you get notified day one when it goes live. So please check out the description in this video. Boom was so kind to include it. There's yep. a very cool video there. You can see what we've been working on. It's going to be a 56-page comic. It is amazing. We worked on it for almost a year and a half, and it is done. We just want to get it over the finish line. Uh, all, all we're looking for is to try to get the uh, the print cost, print and shipping cost set up. But the book's done, so you don't have to worry about it. Um, and we have a whole animation. We're working on a pilot for an anime series. And if I could share my screen, we got the Prince of Arcadia series that we've been doing for quite some time now. We're working on chapter four right now. So I'm gonna try to share my screen if this works. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. And I'll get you. There you go. Okay, boom. Here's some pages from chapter four. Nice. Oh, nice, man. Very nice. So we we strive for the highest quality in what we do. This is uh Western fantasy meets uh manga and anime. Um, the story is amazing. Um, I don't want to give away any spoilers, so I don't want to show too much here, but you get an idea of what we try to do here. So uh, please check it out. Check out the animation. Great uh, stuff, brother. Everbornsaga.com. You can catch me on Twitter at Steve A.M. Johnson and uh, again, Everbornsaga.com and check out the link in the description of this video and just, it costs you nothing. Just uh, take a look at the Kickstarter preview page and uh, just please watch the project. Those eyeballs will help us on day one when, when we go live February 28th. Well, listen, dude, great stuff as always. Great to have you a part of the show. Great that we can help uh, you know, promote your content. I think that uh, other content creators need to do what I do. I go out of my way to push others. I think it's what we should all stand for, and it's what this show was built on, uh, certainly with community in mind, but more importantly, uh, supporting other content creators who may not have 50, 60, 70,000 subscribers. And I think that the way that we become better people and better content creators is by helping others. And maybe maybe I'm the only one that does it. Uh, I'd like to see more people get involved. Uh, but speaking of content creators, let's talk to Forte for a second. One of the busiest content creators on YouTube. Not only does he have the DPS podcast with our brother, Slow Mo Backslap, he's also on this show on Mondays, which he, which again, he might have something to talk about if you want to, you want to talk about that and bring that up in conversation, Forte. You also are a part of Crossfire on Friday and Brap on Wednesdays. Plus, you have your own channel of content. Tell everyone about where they can reach out to you for a conversation and more importantly, check you out on youtube yeah man this was um this is great um shout out to mo shout out to everyone for always coming through and um dropping all that great knowledge and i'm super proud of the work that you're doing on your channels and stuff it's um it's a blessing to have people like you to actually you know keep this industry going and keep that conversation the way it should be about gaming um but um yeah like boom just said this will be the last episode that i do for a while i'm not yeah. leaving the show entirely it's just that between work 
we just bought a brand new house that we close we're closing on next week so it's gonna be a lot of just running sure. back and forth doing stuff like that so uh it's just with like at a certain point doing so many podcasts something got to give mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. um i talked to him about it like a couple of weeks ago and like i told i, I told him and i'll tell everybody on here all the reason i'm doing it is because i just feel like it's unfair because i i don't know what is my mondays look like anymore when it comes to like being able to do the show and then i feel like this show is too important and too many people listen to the opinions that we have on the show to basically just not be able to consistently be here every time so i ain't going anywhere i'll still be around anytime. he'll be guesting for sure yeah yes. yeah whenever boone needs me to jump in trust me i'm here um <laughs> that's not gonna be a problem but um first of all the boom i want to say thank you because we started this show just over a year and a half ago and um mm-hmm. We even said we didn't know how it was going to turn out. And just looking at the people in the chat, the people that are on the show today, the people that guest and come back every week, it's always uh, it's pretty amazing. And I'm super proud of the work that you have done on this show. And this show is definitely not going to change because one person leaves because it's more about it's more than just one person that makes this show be a thing. And that's a testament to Boone and everything he's done with this channel. Thank so. you, brother. Appreciate it. So I'm not going anywhere. I'll be around. I'll be in the chat. I'll anytime. I whenever I'm free, trust him. Be like, boom! I'm jumping. Yo, Jimmy jumping on. Yeah, he'll be guest exactly. appearing whenever he's got the time. Yep. So yep. But other than that, it's um, Gaming Forte everywhere: YouTube, Twitter, Xbox Live. Check us out on the DPS podcast every Thursday, 9 p.m. with Slow Mo Backslap. Um, it's going to be on my channel this week. It was on his channel last week. So um, make sure you please stop through and do that. And yeah, man, I truly appreciate all of you guys. You've been very supportive. And um, like I said, this isn't the end. This is just basically your boy need to get some stuff done in the next couple of months before you commit <laughs> to this stuff. And when you see me again on here on a consistent basis, because it will, I will be coming back. Yeah, it will be a brand new layout. The camera will be on. It will be in our brand new house. So man, nice. I am super excited just for that. And um Thank you for all the good wishes. And like I said, again, boom, thank you. Uh, it's my pleasure, brother. And obviously, yes, you'll be guesting and you're not going anywhere. And congratulations on the closing. That is a big, 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 big deal. And uh, obviously, uh, 2021 looks like it's going to be a great year for gaming forte. Next up, Cybernox. Why don't you tell everyone about where they can reach out to you on social media, potentially strike up a conversation and talk about your YouTube channel absolutely thank you so much boom it was a pleasure being here uh podcasting with mo and everborn as always the ptg crew always a pleasure um i think mo i think it was the first time uh we i podcast i was in a podcast with you i believe mm-hmm. um yeah always great being here you guys already know cybernox everywhere gaming related hit me up on xbox that's where i'm mostly more active on twitter as well um Forte, man, best of luck to you. You, you you're a really hardworking individual, man. You're doing at least thirty-five podcasts in a month. I don't mm-hmm. know how you do it. So uh-huh. I understand. That's Congrats. Cut down to I two. Know, <laughs> Congrats on the house, too, man. Congrats on the house. We're we're, we're gonna miss you. We're gonna miss you. Oh, but man, yeah, guys. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm also doing uh, on my second channel, Xbox Game Pass Club. I'm going to start playing the medium next week. Comes nice. out January 28th. Excellent. So you can follow me either on YouTube, on Twitch. If you don't know that channel of mine, it's just pretty much we 
pick games that are on Xbox Game Pass, and we just played them like a, a as a community. You know, we'll play together, and uh, we can you know set points, and then we'll discuss the game and do a little review at the end uh, nice. from the community. So it's it's a really cool thing. Uh, but yeah, uh, Cybernox everywhere else, and uh, next Monday you can catch me live right here as well on Primetime Gaming, 8 p.m. Eastern. Well, thanks for being here, brother. And last, and in no way least, the loudest man on the panel for sure. Mag, why don't you tell everyone about what other shows you are on, as well as where could people strike up a conversation with you on social media? Yes, well, you can, of of course, find me here every Monday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Mr. Boomstick XL and friends and guests on Primetime Gaming. Every Tuesday night, you can find me at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with, of course, my good friend Noof Nukem and Titan Drago and uh, on Gaming After Dark, and that's every Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Make sure your kids are in bed. You don't want them to be around for that one. So uh, that's why you can follow me there. Now, as for social media on Twitter, you can follow me at the Middle Age Game Guy. That's with a G-Y at the end. And I just want to thank, actually, my Twitter followers, friends, and fans. Uh, I broke a record this week and uh, <laughs> some of my new Twitter hijinks, of course, which I got more to come. And I ended up getting my biggest tweet ever of 960,000 views and almost 11,000 likes. So, guys, it was a huge week. Uh, Very happy about that. On PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, you can find me at all one word, all capitals, because I don't know how to be quiet. I am the mag. That's with two Gs. You can follow me there. Guys, it was a great show. Mo, Everborn, always a pleasure. Chat, panel. You guys are all awesome. Let's have a great week, and uh, we'll see you guys all next Monday. Have a great Well, thank you so much, brother, for that as well. And, of course, I'm going to close out the show with something that it's important to me. Hopefully, one day, it'll be important to you. And that's something that my dad taught me. And I think now, more than ever, it's, it's, it's a necessity more than anything. And he used to say, son, treat others how you want to be treated. And also, it doesn't cost anything to be nice. You live by those rules, and I can guarantee you. You're going to have an awesome day. So take care, everyone, and we'll see you next week on the newest episode of Primetime with Mr. Boomstick and Friends.